0: 5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's <laughs> for the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name the Leroy's Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. This
1: thing and, next thing, you and to me, there's nothing more important. That's gonna be all sunshine and roses.
2: It's
3: going to be hell, right? Hey, shy Hearts, Welcome to episode 220. Um, we are back. It is Monday. It is not Friday, the usual day you were listening to this. Thank you for your patience, though. I lost my voice. Yes, I did. I had the cold from hell. My voice is back, as you can tell. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thank you all for understanding. Thank you for your well wishes. I appreciate it. It was just three days of walking around the house sounding like Elmo wasn't great, but yeah. Yeah. So. But because this is coming out on Monday,
4: it means they also get a special bonus too that they wouldn't have gotten on Friday.
3: Yeah, for sure. Bryna spoke with Stephen Weber on Friday. And I mean, I, what I could tell just from watching it is that he's wonderful. What a nice guy. He's so
4: he's so nice. So funny. It definitely, and we'll talk about this when we get to that section, it definitely makes me look at Archer a little differently now. Like, I watched the episode again for, for the first time, obviously, since talking to him, and I was like, oh, man, like, Same. I mean, I don't know if, I like, I wouldn't say I like Archer yet or anything, but I was like, oh, I just see Steven now and not just Archer, which is just
3: funny. And I think it's a testament to how good of an actor Steven is that, like, you kind of forget that, like, oh, wait, this- Guys, actually there's actually a nice guy behind this character right there is a human
4: behind the terrible character that archer is
3: yeah for sure for sure yeah. so so if you want to skip ahead and listen to the steven interview first you can do that there's timestamps stamps in the notes um, but if you would rather listen to this the whole way through first and then listen to the steven episode you can do that too whatever you want okay so we don't have any news today because now we're in a hiatus another one another like two week one so yep it's cool guys we can do this two weeks is no big deal
4: it's kind of crazy though because like you think about it i mean we'll i'm sure obviously we'll have the episode descriptions for the last couple of episodes over the next couple weeks but like we're probably not gonna have that much news for the next little bit because soon summer hiatus will be here and you know
3: that's it's insane crazy
4: to think that we're almost at the end
3: i know and it. i mean after after this hiatus and we get back on may 11th it's gonna be full steam ahead towards the finales um yeah
4: well, and then too, which is no, unlike most finales is that the week after the finales, normally we take a few weeks off, but like, I'll be seeing you that week. I like, I'll literally see you like a week after the finales There, It's just crazy to think that yeah. like, we're so close to all that stuff.
3: I feel like the finales are late this year.
4: They're the same timing as they were last year, but obviously last year was a very different circumstance because of, you know, them starting a lot later filming. Mm-hmm. But they're just really behind this year. But like Med's done, PD we'd be done next week, and then Fire is the one that's like way behind because Fire is only on episode 21, and so they still have like an episode and a half to
3: go. Oh man, oh man. I feel like I don't want to get into that like mindset of you know kind of like doom prepping for the finales, but I feel like it's also inevitable. So. I feel like we have to give ourselves another week, but once May 1st hits, it's just
4: like, oh man, finale prep, Derek and Andrea prep, just Steve, like, it's just like all the prep and like all the finale mindset just, just like May.
3: Are you (laughs) already, are you mentally prepping for the deadline article that's going to announce whoever's leaving when? Yeah.
4: I mean, we were talking about it and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, but like, I've kind of already... After the 200th, I'm just in like, a. if I feel like something could potentially happen, I've just started mentally preparing myself for the worst and hoping for the best. And I feel that way about two people on two different shows. So it's the same for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. I will get there, you know, with when we get to both of these points, you know, later on. But yeah, I'm just in a prepare for the worst, hope for the best.
3: This is my least favorite game in the world of like, who's leaving? I hate it. I hate yeah,
4: it. well, at least. And I i mean, obviously, I would be shocked if it was anyone else other than those two. But mm-hmm. at least this I mean, like, at least there's a sense of who it could be this time around. Like last year, even I, I mean, when Yaya and Tor- when it got announced that Yaya and Tori were leaving, it was like, holy fuck, like, what, whoa, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah. I would hope that at least maybe even feeling a little bit better that I'm like it's sensing it could potentially happen. Maybe it won't hurt as bad, but it's going to hurt regardless. So, yes, it
3: is. <laughs> yes, it is. One Chicago where it hurts all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have one patron shout out. Uh, Ann Packard has joined the group. and welcome. Thank you for supporting us. Um, welcome to the family. You're in the Facebook group, all that good stuff. So, yeah, awesome. Um, If you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you can follow the link in our socials to our Patreon page. It's got all the goodies there. You can pick out the tier that's best for you. Join the Facebook group, jump in. I honestly think the Facebook group is the best thing we've got out of all of our perks right now because we're just a big fat family.
4: Yeah. I mean, as evident, we just saw that two of our patrons are like hanging out this week in person and they yeah. were not friends before the Patreon group and like became friends because of this group. And it's just, it's really like, that was honestly like the best thing I've seen today. It was so just, cool. like very heartwarming. Yeah.
3: I love it. I love it. I love it. So yeah. Check the link in our socials. If you have any questions, let us know. Um, but without further ado, I think we will move into the episode. Shall we? Let's do it. All right. Okay. So this med episode, this was like the most med episode that med has ever done, or at least it's the most med episode of the season.
4: Yeah. I I mean, I didn't think it was like a bad one, but some of the, like, some of the cases were a little,
3: not a little out there, all of the cases were a little, yeah. And there were multiple moments that like made you look at the screen and go, what the fuck? Like multiples. Yeah. It was good though. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was
4: good. And I think, but I think the character stuff aside, okay. The cases aside, because yeah, the cases were all kind of like, what the, wait, what? Huh? But like the character stuff I thought was really good.
3: Yeah, for sure.
4: I thought the character stuff was really good, even though some of the cases were like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs)
3: All right. So you know how it goes. Dylan had the first scene. So Dylan's up first, because that's how we outline. It's just how we go. Okay. So. Middle of the night, Milena wakes up and Dylan is just kind of peering out the window. These two are still hooking up. It's just, Dylan, it's not Not good. good. (laughs) No. So there's been a car outside that's been like idling for like 15 minutes. And Dylan is like, I see you. Like, what are we doing? And Milena's like, oh, nobody's more careful than me. Typically, if you have to say nobody's more careful than me, it's probably not true.
4: Yeah exactly yeah as soon as she said that i was like oh man someone's definitely following her
3: oh yeah oh yeah so dylan's patient once he gets to med it's a young girl with a history of alcohol problems and like if you think this is going one way it's not i promise <laughs> <laughs> so her parents are like she has alcohol problems she's drunk like this is what's been going on forever and she's like i haven't had anything to drink i'm not drunk like no um so then she's arguing with her parents and then she just like casually pukes just Med things. Med things. Yeah.
4: I definitely thought I knew what th- was happening and then I did not know what was happening.
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I I watch enough medical shows to know like sometimes when things like start happening that I'm just like, oh, this is going to be that. I think everybody who's ever seen an episode of like House or Royal Pains or Grays or any other medical show on the planet saw this starting and was just like, she has auto brewery syndrome, something with some enzyme in your digestive system that like converts food into alcohol and gets you drunk. Everybody was like, oh, that's well, what and it I is.
4: F- and now that I think about it, I feel like Med has definitely done it. And I feel like Med's done it relatively recently. So maybe I we should have known that, like, it probably wasn't that. They probably weren't repeating that storyline this close to the last time they did it. But I just, I was, yeah, I was under the assumption that that's what it was. It was definitely a medical thing and not her actually being drunk.
3: <laughs> not <laughs> what it actually is. Okay. Yeah. So. Papa Scott walks in, Dylan's dad, and they have this conversation.
0: I need you to tell me about this drug dealer,
3: Melina
1: Jovanovic.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the word is on the street is that you two are seeing each other. Where'd you hear that from? Well, I got intel all over this city, son. Oh, well, You got some bad intel. Uh, Melina was a former patient of mine. Okay, then why was she coming out of your apartment at 5 a.m. this morning? You know you can't lie to me, boy. Wouldn't date a drug dealer. You know that. Okay, you don't have to worry about me. I'm always going to worry about you, son. Whatever you're doing, I get the distinct feeling that you know what's wrong.
3: Okay, so you don't have to worry about me. That's one Chicago for you should definitely worry for me.
4: Yeah. I yeah. just, I, as soon as he said that, I was like, Dylan, of course he's going to worry about you because you're doing something stupid. It's
3: like, we need like a one Chicago to English dictionary. Like, oh my
4: God. Yes. That would yeah. Be
3: yeah. You don't have to worry for me. Translation. You should absolutely worry about me. I'm going to fuck shit up. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I will say though, side note, and then we can get back to the actual Dylan and Milena stuff. I do love this season, how Med has introduced us to Dylan's family and like continuously shown us them. Obviously we have Dylan's sister and his dad. Like we haven't gotten this much One Chicago family content in a long time on any of the shows. I mean, and like, well, even then Jay, I was going to say Jay and Will are siblings, but like we haven't seen that in like seasons now but they are, <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, uh, anyway, uh, but I really do appreciate the fact that like, they just keep popping up every now and then. And it, like, I really, you know, cause of course they would, They're family, they would be popping up, you know, that makes sense. This all makes sense, right? Like it just, it makes sense. And I love that he popped back up in this episode. Yeah.
3: It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So, okay. Let's talk about this though. Cause I know you had this conversation with Jennifer last week. Um, yes. I was late. I was late to the show last week, but yeah, I know you guys had this conversation, but I didn't really get fully into it. Do you think is, is Milena a cop or is Milena a drug dealer?
4: She's definitely not. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say she is a drug dealer, but the more we go on, I don't think she's a cop either.
3: I would like to think that if she is a drug dealer, she would not be stupid enough to start a relationship with a cop.
4: Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if she's a drug dealer. Like, I'm not going to go so far as saying she's dealing drugs, but I think she's not a cop either.
3: Hmm. What is she?
4: I, do, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She just seems shady. And I feel like if she was a cop, then why would Dylan's dad be saying something to him? And like, cause if he was a cop, if she was a cop, even if she was undercover, like, why would he care?
3: I could see her being an undercover fed.
4: But even then, like, why would he care? Like, why would he care? Like, I feel like anybody who was on, you know, any kind of federal officer or whatever, like why would Dylan's dad care? Cause they're, they should be fine then, right?
3: Well, I-, In his I eyes? I could see it happening if CPD if CPD may not even know that she's an undercover fed.
4: Right. I don't know. It just something about it feels weird. Still shady. Yeah. Big time. Like I said, I don't know. I don't believe she's a cop, but I don't think she's a drug dealer either. I just think she's some kind of in some kind of shady gray middle that I don't know what to make up yet.
3: I mean, private investigators don't get that in on cases. They just investigate. They don't actually like jump in. So I don't think she's that. Yeah. I mean, no, if she's like, if she's like the kingpin of some crime organization that I could see because then, yeah, she's going to manipulate things and saddle up to the cop. That's fine. But if she's a low level drug dealer, I can't imagine she would saddle up to the cop and just be like, I'm good. Yeah, but even then, like the undercover, you know, if she's an undercover
4: cop, I mean, then the stuff that Zora said last week makes a little, makes me hesitate too, because then why does she have that much cash lying around just when she's not actually, you know, needing it?
3: I don't know. I do not know. It's getting kind of, it's getting weird. I don't know. It's weird. And
4: they still don't have chemistry to me. So this whole thing just makes it just, it's just really weird.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I get it. So After that happens, we come back to Dylan's patient and the whole time that they've been there, her blood alcohol level has been going up and going up and going up. So Zoe has a seizure again, her, it's been increasing the entire time they're going. And so Maggie and Dylan are talking and Dylan's like, yeah, but her parents are watching her like a hawk. Like there's no way she hasn't had time to get a drink. We scan all of her stuff for booze. And then it just kind of hits Dylan and he looks at Maggie and he's like, what if she's telling the truth and she's not drinking? Okay. I'm about to say three words in an order that I never thought I would say them. Ready? Vodka soaked tampon. What? What the fuck? (laughs) What? What the fuck?
4: I honestly thought when he said, like, when they, like, when he said something about the fact that, like, take a look at her scans, right? Like, she had a tampon in earlier. I was like, huh? Huh? I was like, this makes no sense. And then he goes on and, you know, he tells it in front of her family. And I was
3: like, wait, what? A couple things here. Okay, so one shout out to the writers because that was, I thought for sure we were talking about a brewery syndrome. And then I was like, oh, oh I was wrong. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, it's got to be with the applicator still on, right?
4: I have so many questions. And because I, otherwise you Google you can't it, I... It. You Googled it. I did not.
3: Oh my god, I, didn't I wrecked wanna... my search history forever for sure.
4: I just want I I yeah. Well then my whole thing was I was like, wait, this is real. And then I had a couple people because I was tweeting med, and a couple people are you know who I guess have kids in high school or whatever who were like, Yeah, like this is definitely a thing. I've heard of it, yada. I was like, What the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck?
3: kids these days man is this the same generation that was eating Tide pods
4: i don't i i guess but like what the fuck
3: Why? i yeah there's really no other way to phrase it other than like what the fuck what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck like i have, i had never heard of that in my entire life had you heard of that never 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 would have even crossed my mind i have heard of the kids never that- I've heard of the kids drinking hand sanitizer that I've heard of. Um, well, yeah. I've heard of stupid shit like that.
4: Like you said, eating Thai pods, whatever, but it literally would have never even have occurred to me in my life to be like, oh yeah, I want to get drunk, but I don't want anyone know. And I'm going to make it seem like I'm not drinking. I'm going to go soak a tampon in some vodka and then stick sh- it in me and yeah. then let it absorb and get drunk. Like I've just never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that was a real thing.
3: I really should have thought before I Googled yesterday. Um, I just, I was just like in research mode and I was like, all right, let's get more information. Oh, Like,
4: no. Yeah. Part of me just thought about it too. Like, I would love to find, cause I'm sure there are some TikToks about this, but I don't even want to search it. I don't even want to know what possibly could be up there. But part of me is also like, okay, but the TikToks on this, I'm sure are interesting.
3: I am so tempted right now. Don't even.
4: That, that's it. what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, part of me is so tempted, but part of me is scared to know what I would find.
3: Fuck it. My, my search history is already wrecked. <laughs> this is going to be really bad. Let's see. Here's TikTok. <sighs> Let's see. Okay. Um, right? Monica. Because mean you want to know
4: what millennials are thinking, Campion. go to the place where they are, which is TikTok.
3: Oh, okay. So there's a lot of, like, there there's a lot of options here. Can you see that?
4: Holy shit vodka and tampon tampon with vodka slimming vodka tampons hot, vodka tamponing tampon wow
3: wow <laughs> oh i'm so scared for what's about to come up here okay so <laughs> let's see how to bring extra alcohol into a festival okay so syringe your drink okay put it in the test tube Oh, and then put the test tube in the applicator. That's actually smart. Not that that's smart, but like it's test tube. Okay. Okay. But that's not sticking it in you. No, but that was the first thing that came up. Oh, and she put, okay. All right. That's actually like crafty. That's good. Okay. Yeah. That one I can handle
4: because I mean, that one is not at least doing physical harm to your body. (laughs) That is just clever ways to sneak in alcohol to a festival. I can handle that. Did your clothes fall Have you ever seen a woman on
3: vodka tampons? It's a whole other level. I've
2: seen
1: how to close it fall off. I could Should have seen it. It was windy outside.
3: What the fuck?
1: <laughs>
3: oh, my God. Okay. That's oh, not wow. Okay. I yeah,
4: know. <laughs> Okay, so all I guess this... the point is is that like it is a thing. Like, right, like my whole thought about it was like if it if it comes up on TikTok, then it's onto something. Th- I'm onto
3: something. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. So most of most of the TikToks are like girls basically like taking like a test tube and putting alcohol in and then putting the applicator over it that is which is ingenuity. that i
4: can hand that i can handle the one just i'm still mind blown
3: same like same i just like your period already just, sucks like why would you why
4: i just want to know which writer like which writer found this idea and what story or what made them be like, oh yeah, this is something we should do on med. (laughs) Like, I just, I have so many questions.
3: Oh my God. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. Yeah. So, um, vodka soap tampon. Yep. That, that,
4: But the next time, I will say, the next time a similar story happens on another medical show, I'm going to just be like, it's immediately, I'm going to be like, it's a vodka-soaked tampon. Like, (laughs) that's what, that's what it is. Like, it's not auto (laughs) syndrome. It is definitely a vodka-soaked
3: tampon. It's like Clue. Like, it was Dylan in the ED with a vodka-soaked tampon. (laughs) So bad. What the hell? Oh, man. I just never thought I would say those three words in that order together in the same sentence. No, never. I just, what, what? Like <laughs> Weird. Okay, so, so yeah, so Dylan calls her out like in front of her parents too. And it's like, P.S., I know you had a tampon in and I know you got drunk with it. And parents are like, the fuck? The fuck? <laughs> yeah. So Dylan basically like takes his dad's advice and turns it on to Zoe. He's like, I get the distinct feeling, you know, this is wrong like meta much. Okay. I know, right. Right. Apparently, because what I was able to Google was like, it, it can like, it, it causes a lot of other problems too. Like it, it basically like you absorb it more through that area than you would like if you just ingest it. So like it, can, it gets you drunker, like a lot drunker faster with like less. And then I think it's like there's skin irritation. It causes it's just, just don't do it. Don't I just, do I, it.
4: I have so many questions that I still want to Google, but I don't want to know the answer. Like, What happens if you just don't take the tampon out? Like, I mean, like, I, you know, like just all the questions about, like, I just, yeah, I don't even
3: want to know. I don't want to Google. You get alcohol poisoning and toxic shock syndrome? I guess. Any of our male listeners right now are like, I'm so uncomfortable. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah.
4: I just, I just, like I said, I have so many questions and oh my God. Yeah.
3: Man, I, wow. So Zoe sobers up and her parents agree to get her into some sort of rehab and, um, and, you know, Maggie's like, Hey, good on Zoe for coming around. And Dylan's like, you know, pretty late in the game. And Maggie just says, it's never too late to do the right thing. So who knew that Dylan was going to learn his lesson through a vodka soaked damp on. <laughs> yeah. Ma- and
4: Maggie come in and clutch with the advice, even though she doesn't know if she's coming in and clutch with the advice.
3: <laughs> like. I almost want to phrase it like a Harry Potter book, like Dylan Scott and the Vodka Soap tampon. Like, who knew that was all Dylan needed to learn his lesson that maybe he shouldn't be with Milena. Oh my God. I don't know. I'm just, I'm still like, my mind is still just like, just completely blown. So Milena comes over after Dylan's shift and he breaks it off.
1: We can't do this
0: anymore. It's not safe for you. I'm not worried. Cops saw you leaving my place this morning. Um... It's okay. I
1: didn't blow your cover, but... Yeah.
0: So I guess this is it it's not what I want to do but we gotta
1: for your sake
3: she was mad. okay
4: she's real mad but Dylan says he's like doing it for her but like my thing is like is he really though or is it because he knows deep down that she's bad for him
3: oh I think I think he knows deep down that she's bad for him
4: yeah, but he's phrasing it as like, no, this is what's best for you, you know, yada, 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 etc.
3: I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's worse for the doctor to be dating the drug dealer cop, whatever she is, than it is oh, for yeah. like, the drug dealer cop question mark to be dating the doctor.
4: Well, and not even that. My thing is, I mean, the perception, who cares about that? But like I mean, if she is really shady, just whatever shit she could bring Dylan down into, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that could physically cause him harm, potentially. I mean, yeah. So really, he did that that
3: the piece. reverse of the it's not you, it's me. He did the reverse of that. He said, it's not me, it's you. Um,
4: yeah, really, it's without actually way. saying it's not me, it's you yikes because he doesn't say i mean he says he's like oh i'm doing this you know it's for your benefit you know yada yada yada
3: no it's for and his safety because she's gonna still go out safety. there and do like shady shit but, it's but this Dylan's is not problem. the last
4: we see her like they're broken up but this is not the last we see ever we've got three episodes left like
3: she's coming back i still think the cliffhanger is gonna have to do with her that he like comes across her dead body Or maybe he's, like, in the line of fire or something. I don't know. What if she calls him and then he rolls up, like, thinking one thing and it's something else. And then, like, oh, "Oh." fuck. We've watched these shows for far too long. This is just I know. I know. You know. I know. I know. Our our brains are programmed to operate this way.
4: I know. Yeah, for sure. And I do think, too, that it's definitely, if it's not the, like, last minute of the episode cliffhanger, it's definitely, like, a big part of, you know, what we're going to be wondering all summer for sure.
3: Yep. It's either going to be, I think it's either a Dylan cliffhanger or I think it's an Ethan cliffhanger, depending on where we go with him. Oh, we'll get there. I have thoughts. I know. I have thoughts. (laughs) I know. So any other thoughts on Dylan? Oh man. Just, oh man. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. (laughs) He made the right move by breaking it off with Milena. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Sometimes what we want to do and what we should do or not, they don't match up but that's for okay. sure and I think yeah. I mean
4: I think it's right move I don't think they have chemistry she's not the love of his life like he it's not like he is conflicted because he really loves her and cares about it like no yeah
3: I don't He's think just- they have like full-blown feelings for each other I think this is kind of just a thing of convenience right now like maybe they're both just lonely maybe I don't know
4: I don't know it does mil- I will say though it really does make me yearn for, I want Dylan in like an actual ship at some point. I need to see Dylan in like an actual ship because it's going to be good shit when it happens. Yeah. When it's the right person, oh man, it's going to be good.
3: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So elsewhere in the hospital, we had Will and Hannah. These two, what are they doing? What are they doing? All right. They're so awkward. It, they're, they're They are awkward. They're so awkward. Like, And I didn't think it would be this awkward, but like every time they see each other now, they're like, I I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like what? It's weird. It's weird. Take it away, Brenna.
4: Okay. So they're getting ready to head to shift. They pull, they just just so happen to pull up next to each other and like part their cars next to each other. Um, And again, it's just, it's really awkward. Like Will tries to return her, her coffee maker from two years ago, which is really not even a coffee maker. It's some like pitcher
3: I don't really know what the fuck this thing is it's a pitcher like my my only theory was that like sometimes there people have like these super fancy ass coffee makers where like you light one end and then like smoke goes in through another channel and then like drips through something else and then like condenses and there's some like bougie ones out there but this was literally just a pitcher Well, the
4: first time when he said it, he was like, oh, it's a coffee maker. And then I missed him like showing it to her. I was like, oh, it was probably just like a French press or something like because, you know, I've seen those. I'm like, no big deal. And then I rewatched him
3: like, no, that's a fucking
4: pitcher or vase or something like that. It is not a fucking coffee maker.
3: And you know what I thought was interesting, too, was that he was like, you know, I know how much you love your coffee, but I, I didn't have the chance to research this, but you know how I, like, when, when you see things like Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous on TV, there's always coffee there, right? And I, I, I really have no idea if I'm right or if I'm just wild ass guessing on this, but don't, like, I, I feel like I've heard somewhere that addicts will, you, like, coffee's one of the things that addicts will go to to, like, keep their hands busy. So, I don't know, I just kind Probably of, like.
4: Probably it would make sense
3: yeah I thought it was interesting I was like well that's a little maybe that's not the best idea like maybe she left it with you for a reason
4: yeah well then she so he's like yeah you know he's like you never reach out to me like let me know where you were going and she's like well just keep it like you know it's been two years like I I got another one you know like it's like what what was he thinking it's
3: crazy well, and then how he's like, well, you never reached out to me. Listen, okay. The the whole theme of this whole storyline is like, willing, like, you ghosted me. You ghosted me. She didn't ghost you. She did not ghost you. She specifically told you when she left, I am going to L.A. That's not a ghosting. Yeah. Maybe she just right
4: just because she did not give you her address and which neighborhood she was in. She did not just up and leave you without any word. She That's not how this
3: goes. She was leaving. She and then she, she cut off it.
4: communication. There is a difference.
3: There Probably is a Probably because difference. she was in recovery.
4: Right. And he was at the time associated with her not being able to be in recovery. So she needed, I understand. It makes so, it makes all the sense in the world, but he makes it seem like it was like a Jay and Aaron thing. And it is not a Jay and Aaron thing. It was a very different situation from
3: Jay and Aaron. Yeah. Very much so. Very, very much so. What? Well, it like. Will's been after, like, a child since Hannah got back, which, like, that's usually something we've him before, but we're so used to it by now. We're just like, Will, do you need to go But get I think time the out? thing
4: is, too, I think this made it really clear. I think he was waiting for some kind of, like, apology or something. And, I mean, granted, he gets some version of it that he seems okay with at the end, which we'll get to in a minute, but, like well that's not the point like it's such a different situation Mm -hmm. when she was cut the reason she cut off communication you know like you said she was doing it because she was entering recovery she was trying to better herself and at the time you were like I said you were he was associated with everything that was going bad in her life and so she just had to cut off communication like I get it but he's trying to make it seem like she just decided not to text him back one day and it's like that's not what happened
3: and looking back on it the more I think about it 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 was a little toxic, like wh- how he like, because she she voluntarily went to rehab in LA, right? She didn't voluntarily go to rehab in Chicago. Will like forced her into it against her will.
4: Yeah, I, I really, I keep saying that I need to go back and watch those episodes. Maybe now that we're on hiatus for two weeks, maybe I'll go back and watch at least their storylines. Because mm-hmm. like, I really do want to kind of, now that we have returned to the Hannah Asher, you know, a different and a different Hannah Asher Like, I would like to see, you know, for context purposes, go back and rewatch those. Yeah,
3: for sure. I have more to say, but we'll save it for the end of this. Go ahead.
4: (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. So basically they end up finding a pregnant woman in the parking lot and she's clearly struggling and, you know, of course they're doctors. So they bring her into the ED and like, they start checking her out and they're, you know, she's like, it's a boy. And when she tells them it's a boy, Hannah and Will, again, because they're kind of awkward, like share this like real cheesy glance And like reply, that's great in unison, but it's just awkward. Like, I don't know. Everything about them is just awkward at this point. So awkward. Like they're able to work, you know, well together for the most part, better than I thought they would. But it's just their body language, the tension, it's just all awkward because they don't really know what to say beyond that to each other.
3: I feel like it's mostly coming from Will. Am I wrong in that? Yeah, because, like
4: like I said, he's still waiting for some sort of apology he thinks he like, deserves and he doesn't. And she's just like, okay, I'm here. Like, I've moved on. I'm a different person. And, like, I'm ready to be living in the now when Will, like, wants to live in two years ago.
3: Exactly. He's acting like they were the loves of each other's lives when really they were just, like, a perfect storm of, like, an absolute shit show.
4: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
3: Ugh.
4: Um, But so... Baby's not doing so great. So they're like, okay, well, we don't really know what's going on. So we're gonna run some tests and just LOL at this blood test because they start doing the procedure, and the first thing Hannah says is the first needle is going to temporarily paralyze your baby. And it's just like, wait, what? What
3: did you just hold, huh? Just med things.
4: Yeah. And then they're like, oh yeah, it's just they don't the baby isn't moving around and you know, fuck it, basically fucking up the results. But it's just like, wait, what?
3: uh freezing (laughs)
4: they're just they're just so casual about it yeah and so like oh yeah and the patient just happened to forget to mention that the baby might have this serious condition called spinal muscular atrophy casual and will is basically just like that will's like you couldn't have mentioned that before (laughs) and she's like i she's like i just you know i i just didn't really think about it and will's just like okay okay So they get the results of this test. And like I said, things still aren't looking so great. But basically, the thing that they learn is that the blood types don't match up at all. And as we come to find out, the patient is actually a surrogate. And But what happened, though, is that the biological parents wanted to terminate after the uh, diagnosis, but the surrogate couldn't bring herself to do it. So Will and Hannah are in this kind of ethical battle. Like Will thinks they should notify the biological couple, um, but Hannah doesn't really think it's their problem.
2: So we have to confirm this with the biological parents.
0: I'm not sure that that's our responsibility, especially if the parents gave up the baby.
2: Well, we don't know if that's true. Look how long it took her to tell us about the genetic defect.
0: Why would she be lying?
2: Bottom line, you, you, she can't ghost the parents like that. They have every right to know what's going on. We have to
3: notify legal so they can contact them.
4: You're
3: right. Okay. This is a change of pace for Will. Will's usually on Hannah's side. Like, we don't have to tell them.
4: Yeah, I thought it would have been reversed.
3: <laughs> for sure. Honestly. Okay, um, am I the only one who was completely distracted by the extra who walked right between them in this scene? I didn't
4: honestly notice it until you pointed it out in the outline. And then I went back and I was like, oh, yeah, I do
3: notice it now. Like, I, I, I just... Like my eyes went right to them. I was like, what? That's an odd choice to have the extra just walk right between them.
4: Yeah, I do think it was a little odd, especially now that you pointed it out. Like, I guess that was direction, right? From the dire like I don't I doubt an extra is just walking in the middle of them by themselves as like a extra you know, background choice, but like
3: I would hope not. That so, would be weird.
4: I just but it, still it seems it does seem like weird direction now that you point it out
3: I my eye went right to them when it happened I was like wait huh I don't know I yeah. maybe I just maybe it was sick brain just me like noticing random ass shit but I was just like that's an odd choice and like presumably you filmed multiple takes and you used that one all right just directing questions from somebody who has no fucking clue about directing
4: yeah I will say though going back to the Will and Hannah of it all I will say I did appreciate the fact I thought it was gonna be a bigger fight between Will and Hannah about the <laughs> fact that they disagree on what to do but Hannah kind of relinquished. her. Like She was like, okay, like, you know, I like, she's just like, okay, we'll do fine. You know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So they can be grown ups and actually like,
3: you know, handle
4: this properly. I was like, oh, not what I expected again, but yeah. I'm not mad at it. <laughs>
3: <coughs> this case was the perfect example of like everything being in the gray, right? There was no right or wrong. It was just kind of a Both sides were valid. It was a really good debate, like good case to have because sparked a lot of thoughts.
4: Yeah. So the biological couple arrives, and they they're very confused. They are. They're like, I don't understand why she did this. You know, we thought we agreed. You know, she was going to terminate. They're just very confused. They don't understand
3: at all. This drove me nuts. I wanted to punch these bio parents because the whole time they're like, why did she do this? I'm sorry, wait, you're literally asking why she didn't have an abortion. Really? Could it be that she didn't want to put herself through that? Like, we're really going back to the whole like pro-choice, pro-life debate. We're doing this. We're doing this. That made me so mad. I did think it was interesting
4: though, because until you said that, until you like, I read your comments about you know that in the um outline, I didn't really think about it like that. I thought of, I was thinking about it more of the like, I, I guess I wasn't even thinking about it in that way. I was just more like, okay, well, so what happens now? Like. They said they agreed to terminate the baby. She didn't terminate the baby, but, like, are they in a contract now still? Like, just because the baby's still alive? Like, is that how that goes? Like, are they still in a con- Like, it didn't even, the, the aspect of, like, it being technically an abortion, and some people may not want to go through that, even though they've agreed to do so, like, I, that didn't even cross my mind at all.
3: I mean, I, I feel like being a surrogate for somebody and then agreeing to having an abortion if need be, those that's having an abortion is beyond the scope of her duties as a surrogate. I mean, that's something that, like, sure, it could have been mentioned, but that's something that is solely within that should be in the within the surrogate's like discretion. Now, granted, I know nothing about this area of law, but you know, given my legal knowledge, I just was kind of like thinking about this and I was like, there is no way that. Having somebody else decide for you, like whether you can or can't get an abortion in this kind of situation, there's no way that could be an enforceable contract provision. Of course, it depends on the state, but.
4: But I will, but, but I will say, and I like said I'm not necessarily agreeing with the biological couple or her, but I will say, at least the way the scene makes it seem and the way the biological couple are describing it makes it seem like they came to a decision after they found out the diagnosis that she was going to have the abortion. Not that like, they forced her into having the abortion, but that she agreed to have the abortion and then just decided not to. And again, like, where does that hold up in the law? Like, I, you know, I don't know. And then, like I said, my whole thing was like, okay, well, she didn't have the abortion. So the baby is still alive. you know, the baby is still here. She is still pregnant. So now what happens? Like they've technically thought they were terminating their pregnancy. So like, but they are the biological parents. And I don't know. I was just, It was definitely, like you said, a lot of gray area that I was like, I don't know where I fall on this. And I don't know what ethically and legally where to fall on this either. It was definitely an interesting conversation for sure.
3: For sure. And like the first, the first time I watched this through, I was like seething. I was just like, no, it should go to the surrogate. I know you you were rage texting.
4: I was as a lawyer, you were rage texting. Yeah. And
3: then the second time I watched it, I was like paying more attention to dialogue. And I was like, okay, well, they didn't, they didn't want to terminate because the baby wasn't going to be a quote unquote perfect. They wanted to terminate because they didn't want the baby to suffer. I was like, okay, yeah. that makes more sense. So it right. became more of a gray area to me after I watched it the first time, but the entire time I watched it, I was like, I just want to see that contract, but that's knowledge that I have that not everybody else does. So big giant gray area, but shout out to the writers. Cause this was like 10.0 execution on the story. It's a tough one. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So the baby didn't end up tolerating the procedure. So they end up having to do an emergency C-section. C-section goes fine though. And it turns out the baby is healthy after all. The blood panel was a false positive. Um, And of course the biopans are just kind of confused because they're like, wait, but the panel. And they're like, well, and Will's basically just like, well, you should have had better doctors because they should have told you to get a second panel after that one, which probably would have confirmed that the baby would have been okay.
3: Yeah. The only thing that bugged me about that was how, like, the parents, like, just kind of assumed that, like, the baby was theirs, which I guess that's.
4: Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the whole, the gray area of, like, okay, the baby, I guess, is now technically still theirs. like, I mean, they're not trying to abandon the baby. They just, like I said, they thought the pregnancy was terminated. Like, I don't know. It's just such a gray area. So gray. Yeah. And they're still, like, at the end of this, like, what happens happens. Okay. So I'm going to finish this and then I'll get to my point in a second. So basically like they end up taking the bear They the nurse comes in and they're like, okay, well you we have to take the baby back to the biological parents, but the girl, the surrogate Ingrid, she doesn't want to give him up. And like the bio mom is like waiting right outside and like comes in to talk to her and Ingrid's like, you know, I knew the baby's going to be okay. Like I just had this gut feeling. She's like, I didn't tell you guys though. Cause I wanted him and they end up having like kind of a nice moment. Um, but It is interesting, and now I lost my point, what I was going to say two seconds ago. Oh no, I hate when that happens. Yeah, it's fine if I think of it, I'll say it in a second. But it does, oh, it does end up kind of okay, but it is just like a, we still don't know what's legally right and what's legally wrong at the, that was my point, was going to be like, it seems like everyone's in a good position at the end, and like, maybe they would even come up with some kind of way to let ingrid see the baby or whatever like that's kind of where they kind of seem to end things that like it's gonna be okay but i would curious like legally and ethically like what is right in this situation like if this situation were to happen but things weren't all okay between the bio parents and the surrogate like what is legally right
3: i think i think i think it's such a new area of law that like a lot of it is uncharted territory
4: is that something? Maybe this is a dumb question, but would this fall under like family law? Like, if you're going to school and studying it, but want to do st- more stuff like this, would this be like a specialization of family law? Probably, right? I could
3: see that. I could see that. Um,
4: i just curious, like, if you go to law school and you want to like kind of practice this law, like, what do you study? Like, you
3: know, I think, yeah, I-, I could see it being a specialty of, of family law, but also if any of you are thinking of going to law school, don't study family law. It will suck out your soul. Mm. Um yeah, so I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um but I it, it's 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 pretty much similar to like social media and the law surrounding that now because it's like
4: it's also right. new
3: that all of it is uncharted territory. For sure. Yeah thing
4: I I can imagine like I'm sure law schools don't even I mean I are I guess now are in the process of developing programs and you know specialties and whatever within these new areas of law because like you said things have changed so much even in the last five years four years three you know apparently that i can imagine surrogacy don't have those
3: programs. is not even legal in all 50 states wait really um there are three u.s states that do not recognize sur- or surrogacy and they're illegal in that states nebraska michigan and louisiana well huh. fuck those states then indeed texas allows I mean, it i'm surprised like, yeah fuck those dates then
4: let people be surrogates if they want to that's all yeah anyway so basically at the end of the episode after shift Hannah changes her mind and gets her coffee maker pitcher vase thing back from Will and they have this little heart to heart
0: you can be honest there must have been a bit of you that was upset with me
1: well okay
2: yeah I didn't hear from you for almost two years.
0: I ghosted you. Yeah,
2: I, mean, I wanted to believe what we had was more meaningful than that.
0: Well, come on. No, of course it was. Well... Me cutting you off wasn't because I didn't care about you. Okay, I needed to work on myself, on my sobriety, clear everything away. So I could start again. You know, now that we're working together again, maybe we could agree to turn the page, be friends. Sure.
4: Yeah. So like I said, I think this conversation makes it seem where I came to the realization, I, oh, I guess Will was waiting for some apology that he didn't really deserve, But I did appreciate her explanation that like, and I think it finally resonated with Will was like her leaving wasn't about him. It was about her. And now she can be back and be present and be all the things that she wasn't when she was here last time because she's worked on herself. And like, you know, they can be friends. It is okay.
3: Yeah, a couple things just got me about this. The fact, okay, the fact that this entire time Will's just been like, Will's been expecting like, Everything around her returned to revolve around him. Like, she thought, like, he basically thought that when she came back, she was going to, like, run into his arms and be like, Will, oh my God. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. And then the line in here where he's just like, I thought our relationship meant more to you than that. Stop acting like she, like, stop acting was like she, no. she Was the love of your life. She was not the love of your life. No, no. It was a total, like, hero-God complex thing for Will. And then it just so happened to get derailed by the, the pandemic. It was a giant shit show. Like, we literally never
4: even heard of Will even think about Hannah until she walked back into the ED. Like, didn't even cross her mind. Like, no, they are not the loves of each other's lives. Maybe moving forward, they'll fall in love again. I mean, I'm sure somewhat somewhere down the line in season eight, we will see them hook up. I, I'm just, that's already happened. That's I'm sure that's on the, their plans for season eight. But... They no, they are not the loves of each other's lives. I mean,
3: and and the person Hannah was then and the person Hannah is now are two different people. Who's to say that Will is gonna? Will may not like the new Hannah. Maybe the new Hannah is not for him. No, and and maybe the new Hannah doesn't like Will. Maybe also. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just, Just, yeah. I
4: will say, I I'm glad they seemed now they move hopefully move past the awkwardness. Uh, Because they finally have had this conversation. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they can move past the awkwardness and actually be friends. But yeah.
3: I I got a little bit of joy out of this, like when when she was like, maybe we can be friends. I was like, we'll got friend zoned. Like
4: should we start a betting pool though on when they kiss? And I think we should when they kiss, because like that doesn't mean they'll start a relationship. But like I can honestly even see them sharing a kiss, maybe in this finale we're so close
3: to the end yeah that's how i'm just like that's because that's why i'm, my, my I'm trying to think about off. like
4: where their story lines go by the end of the season mm-hmm. and i'm trying to think about like what happens and i'm like what does happen to hannah and will at the end of the season Fair
3: and i'm question. like
4: maybe a kiss i don't know but like like i said if it doesn't happen at the end of the season something's definitely happening in season eight
3: yeah yeah these two are a mess yeah a mess But I'm loving it. Hopefully just
4: with less awkwardness right now.
3: Yeah, for sure. So speaking of messes, let's talk about Crockett and his patient. Oh, my God. Lord, have mercy. Oh, boy. Okay. So first off, like, quick little fit check for Crockett. He's wearing this, like, long sleeve, like, fleece jacket. It looked pretty good on him. I'm not going to lie.
4: Yeah, it was definitely a different look. But I was like, oh, here for it. I'm just here for anything, Crockett. And I'm just here for the fact that we got Crockett in the ED without
3: Dr. Blake for two weeks in a row. I hate to say it. I really do. But these last two episodes without Dr. Blake and without Vanessa, they've been really good.
4: They've been really good. Yeah, we really haven't gotten, I mean, not even the Vanessa part of it, but like the definitely the Dr. Blake, it's just a nice change of pace. Yeah. Like seeing Crockett work with other people aside from her, like in the ED where he's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. it just it's really refreshing
3: yeah and I've noticed when you take these characters and you pair them up like that and you know they're like exclusively working together for a given season that's great and all but it also isolates them from the rest of the cast Mm -hmm. so like it's refreshing to see like last week we got Dylan and Crockett I was like that is awesome instead of having Dylan and then whatever and then on the side have like Crockett and Dr. Blake it was good to see the two of them together so for sure Kind of digging that. Okay. So Crockett's patient is on a hunger strike to protest the relocation of a metal shredding plant. This is based on like a true story. I think it's going down in Chicago right now.
4: Um, Interesting. I didn't see that.
3: Crazy. Crazy. So this guy, Luis, he's got a journalist who's following him and she's basically documenting the story and like speaking on his behalf. It's kind of weird. So basically the minute he meets with a journalist, he's like, let's get Dr. Charles on this. Let's just, let's just loop him in. Yeah. It's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Um, this guy's been on a hunger strike for 36 days, 36 days. I'm hungry if I eat breakfast late, like, yeah, shit, damn. Yeah. So, um, you know, and Dr. Charles reasons with this guy. And like, I like that he validates what he's doing. He's like, I get it. Like, I get the cause. I just want to ask you this question. Like he doesn't belittle him or anything.
4: That's no, because it's Dr. Charles and
3: Dr. Charles is just the fucking best. He is. He is. I'm definitely enjoying some of I'm M&M. sorry about that. So, um, yeah, he refuses a feeding tube. He's lacking nutrition. And, uh, at one point I can't remember who said this, if it's Dr. Charles. Luis. Or what. Oh, Louise. Yeah. So Louise just mentions, he's like, sometimes change requires sacrifice because they keep asking him. They're like, why are you doing this? Like, surely there's got to be a better way that doesn't involve jeopardizing your health. And he was like, no, like you don't understand. Sorry, I shouldn't have bitten into an M&M right as I was talking. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, sometimes change requires sacrifice because what they're doing is they're taking this plant and they're taking it out of a rich neighborhood because the, the, the residents there have like basically protested and said they want it out. Yep. And they're moving it into a lower income neighborhood. The journalist describes it specifically as environmental racism,
1: mm-hmm. something I didn't
3: know about. Goodness. So as they're talking to this guy, he busts out a pack of cigarettes, like not even thinking about it. Like, really? Okay. I know. I was just kind of like, I was a little surprised, but also if he hasn't eaten anything in 36 days, he's probably a little confused. When he also says, he's like, sorry, something about the
4: fact that it helps, you know, with his the hunger, hunger or whatever, you know? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then Lonnie shows up. Lonnie shows up. It turns oh, out shit. Luis is an old patient of hers. And she has this history with him that she happens to know that he attempted suicide three years ago. Um, she's really wanting to put him on a psych hold, but Dr. Char- or Dr. Charles is like, no, like, we can't do that. He's got capacity. Like, I'm sorry, but he's got the capacity. We can't do it. So Lonnie goes and pulls an April and she petitions a judge and gets a court order all on her own. Damn, girl yeah like wow um crockett's mad too she comes back with the court order and dr charles is like what and, and crockett's just like i don't want to do this like i don't want to like, do this fucking
4: shit he's like <laughs> fuck i hate this so much
3: he is so mad so mad so basically they have to hook him up to the feeding tube against his will which i mean yeah that sucks but i also see what i see what lonnie was doing i mean as his former therapist you know she felt like she had to do something uh
4: no, but I think there's a difference between feeling like you have to doing something and actually doing something, right? Because I think Dr. Charles was right. Like, yeah, it may suck because you do care. I'm sure she does care about Luis in some way. Like, he was her patient, you know. She's seen him through a lot of bad shit. But like Dr. Charles said, like, yeah, he, you may not agree with what Luis was doing, but he does have capacity like he is making he's not insane he is making decisions they might not be decisions you agree with but he is making those decisions on his own and like i think she still went a little too far
3: yeah for sure a little bit but i think she was just acting without thinking and like kind of thinking about it later she was just like full steam ahead kind of like connor used to do um yeah. And the look Doctor Charles gives her. Okay, we've like never seen Doctor Charles mad, but I think this is the closest to mad we've ever seen him. Just like the the death glare that he's giving her, like while she's yeah, she's like Doctor I can't movie.
4: believe you just did that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely like a like a side eye of death for sure. So then we get further into the episode, and like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so out of nowhere, we're like in between storylines. This woman walks in, and she just goes fire and we zoom over and Luis is on fire in front of the room like total burning man like walking around flames shooting out of his whole body mm-hmm. like okay the storyline is heartbreaking yes like horrible that this guy felt like he had to do what he did but I definitely laughed when the burning guy came out of the exam room I definitely
4: laughed. yeah yeah Well, and did you see all the little like Wolf Entertainment, of course, because they tweet all the like behind the scenes stuff. They were tweeting a little bit about like, you know, we filmed it with one of our stunt actors and our stunt coordinator because he was filling in for Crockett and they were showing like, you know, the... Dummies of how you know the burn victim. Luis is a burn victim. You know, as the dummy, it was just really you know they always tweet like the coolest stuff, and I just thought it was so cool.
3: The behind the scenes is definitely awesome, like how they do that stuff with like the, it's something with like they have like fire retardant clothing, and then they have this gel that they put like all over your body, so basically even though you're walking around mm-hmm. burning, like you don't feel a thing. They're really yep. safe with it. Yeah, it's really really safe. Um, uh, so yeah, Crockett grabs the curtain and goes and like snuffs him out and unfortunately they're too late but like this hospital has been blown up twice dead bodies have gone missing um a guy literally like caught on fire what other like crazy shit has happened at this hospital um two I think doctors better have been question is
4: what, i was gonna say the better question is what crazy shit hasn't happened at this hospital
3: i don't even want to put out there i don't want to put anything out there because then it's gonna well i
4: want to say it hasn't been caught on fire yet but that's the plan i guess for a future crossover according to andrea and Derek. so it will happen at some point
3: i well my my go-to there was going to be like well and on fire we saw a jet engine collapse into a school we haven't had that on med yet but now that i put that into the universe i've just fucked everything up sorry med sorry (sighs) y'all yeah yeah All of a sudden, Andy and Diane are like, what if we drop a jet engine on the ED? (laughs) Like, (laughs) oh, my gosh. Mad things. Yeah. So unfortunately, they're too late. Luis passes away. But they're wondering, they're like, how did he get out of the restraints? Because they restrained him to place the feeding tube. The journalist let him out of the restraints. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So I think it's just kind of unfortunate circumstances all around, right? Because the journalist, like, she's beating herself up. She feels terrible. Crockett's not happy that he had to place the tube. Lonnie is completely wrecked because, like, you know, now she's wondering. She's like, fuck, did I do the right thing? Like, I def- obviously didn't.
4: She makes this, like... Kind of sad. She, there is one remark though. She like kind of makes a little sassy remark. She's like, "Well, at least she got her story." And Dr. Charles is like, "Well, you know, not the one she was hoping for. My death, you know. It's just <laughs> like." But Lonnie, Lonnie is like pissed for like a hot second, and then I think she realizes. She's like, "Oh fuck, I kind of messed this up."
3: Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the episode, Dr. Charles finds Lonnie sitting on a bench, and he's like, "Yeah, she published her story." Um, but the mayor went ahead and stopped the relocation. So like, that's good. It just like, I think the most staggering part of this is that Louise basically had to be a martyr to get it to happen. Like, yep. That's awful. Really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awful. Um, but yeah, she's second guessing herself. She's just like, fuck, like, why did I do that? I messed everything up. I feel really bad. And, uh, Dr. Charles tries to hold her hand, but she's just like, yeah, not a hugger. Or like not a PDA kind of person, but then she cries and he still controls her. I mean, I, I felt really bad for Lonnie because I mean, she just was, she was just trying to do what she thought was best and she messed up.
4: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't agree with what she did, but I did feel bad for her by the end. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. yeah. This episode did a really great job of keeping everything in the gray area. Like really, really good job. Yeah, for sure. So last we've got Ethan. Oh boy.
4: I honestly think this is my favorite storyline from the whole episode.
3: I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, this was, this was really, really good. Like really good. Okay. So take it away. Go.
4: Okay. So basically Ethan and Archer are working together and they get a patient who is also just so happened to be a Navy vet. And he is asking for Ethan by name, apparently. And Ethan's like, okay, well, you know, I don't, I apologize. Like, I don't really remember you. Should I know you? And the guy's like, no, he's like, I just heard your name from the VA, you know, they said you were really good and like Archer makes a funny comment and I was just like oh and this is a comment now that like before I thought it was still funny but then like after the Stephen interview I was like okay this is really funny yeah it's just like it's one of those things where I was like oh man I see I'm seeing I'm definitely seeing Archer a little bit differently now
3: definitely 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 stick around for the Stephen Weber interview like you your your mind is going to be blown you're going to see Archer completely differently and like that's how I see him now even when Archer was like he called him buddy or something like before the interview I would have been like fuck you he's not your buddy like stop but post interview I'm like oh okay I get that I get that yeah yeah yeah
4: so he you know is checking out the guy like they make a comment about the patient's tattoo on his arm or whatever and Ethan says something about like oh yeah my dad had something like that or whatever and the guy like reaches up and touches Ethan's face and it's like kind of a weird, awkward moment. And the guy's like, I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. And then all of a sudden he up and has a heart attack. Just met things. Just met things. Um, But like I said earlier, so the patient is still, still alive. He's just, you know, intubated, all that stuff. And like I said, Ethan does notice the tattoo, which is the, like I said, a nautical star, same design and placement his father had. So he gets an idea and he just. FaceTime Felicia to ask for a favor
3: do people do that do they just up and FaceTime people out of the blue
4: yes I know people who do it instead of like calling or texting and I'm just like
3: no yeah I'm like I was kind of surprised at that I'm like you know I don't like I only do it to you if something big has happened and like I know that you're (laughs) at the phone
4: well yeah because it's most of the time though when you do it you're texting me and then all of a sudden you FaceTime me yeah so like like, you know I don't want to type this out Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's also the same reason, like, I don't understand people who do voice messages either. Like, either just call me or text me. Like, why are you sending me a voice message? Like, it seems like it just takes just enough effort, like, more effort than texting, but less, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, either just call me or text me.
3: The one exception, if you are driving and you just, like, got to get the thought out, because otherwise you're going to forget it, I understand. I guess.
4: I don't know. I... I don't know, but I, I like honestly, I've had couple on conversations with people who they send me voice messages, and I'll just text them back. I'm like, this is, st- I'm, l- I'm not gonna voice message you. I'm like, no.
3: You know what else I think is weird is like, okay, because I'm way too old to be on Snapchat. Like, and if if anybody in the O30 crowd is on Snapchat, great, awesome. Like, you do you. In my opinion, I'm too old for it. But my fiance is, and he's younger than me, obviously. But he has like a chat with the boys where like it's video messages. So like they talk to each other through video. So then like he'll be like watching one of his friends' messages and then all of a sudden he'll record a video and be like, yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. And I'm just like, huh? Like, just seems yeah. weird. Just seems weird. Like take a picture of something and write in a caption. Well, I also I just, It kind of goes the
4: same way too. If we're talking about things, we don't get that fall into this similar category. I don't get why people text on Snapchat either. Like your conversations, unless you make a concerted effort, don't save. So then how if you need to go back and reference things, like how do you find it? You can't unless you make an effort to like save
3: the message. I can see how that would work if your friend is international and you can't text them like easily. Um, but also the fact that disappear- there's WhatsApp. Yeah, that too. But I feel like the, the I feel like Snapchat and WhatsApp are pretty similar for those purposes then. And like it, the fact that it disappears after a while is probably a good thing depending on what you're doing.
4: I guess. I don't know. My brother, because even though we're only 14 months apart, we are definitely, I feel like in two separate generations, just in the way we act sometimes. But he a lot of times be like, oh yeah, I text this person. But then he really just means like he snapped, like texted him over Snapchat or whatever. And I'm like, but no, like just no I don't know I don't get it
3: (laughs) so much work I know it's so much work and then like sometimes like once in a blue moon I'll get on snapchat because like Charlie will snap me something sometimes and I'm like for the 90th time I'm not on snapchat like instagram it to me or text me or just tell me because like we live together you know that that's kind of easier yeah but every time he's just like you're on snapchat I'm like don't get used to it like don't get used to it I'm not allowed to be here somebody's gonna call me grandma at any moment
4: like yeah (laughs) crazy anyway but I will I do okay going back to the Felicia of it all I do think it was funny that a lot of people thought that that was Emily for a hot second and they were like oh Ethan's sister's back and I was like no it's Felicia like it's the nurse
3: I thought it was Emily for like a second and then I remembered
4: yeah but so Felicia brings him what he asked for and when she does she asks him out which I was like oh okay first of (laughs) all you go girl second of all, I guess we're going here. Are we going to see that? Like, I mean, I don't feel like you do that unless there's some follow-up to it. Right.
3: Uh, Yeah. I would hope there's follow-up to it, but good for her for just putting it out there. You yes. Go Felicia. We stand.
4: Yeah. So basically she brings him these like old photo albums and they do find the photo of Ethan's dad and the, their patient and his patient, Gerald. But Ethan notices something about the patient's appendectomy scar. And basically from the picture, Ethan is able to diagnose an adrenal gland tumor off of the change in the coloring,
3: which is like just Ethan thinks, just, just Ethan, Ethan things. things. Like when he when he like figured that out and Archer was just kind of like, um, that's a long shot. I was like, isn't it funny how like Ethan's only been back for two episodes, but really at this point, it feels like he never left. Yeah. Like, yeah. He never left he's been here the whole time what do you mean he's been gone most of the season no just eating things yeah but so they
4: take gerald up to surgery and i didn't even notice this until you pointed it out in the outline but like archer starts whistling acres away in the or as he's like cutting gerald open and it's like obviously of course because they're all navy so it's just you know one of those little things you're like okay this this is cool like
3: Shout out to the closed captions on that one because I wouldn't have yeah. known that either way unless the like the closed captions were like you know whistles anchors away and I was like what is that and I googled and obviously it's the official song of the navy so I was yeah. like huh scripted or Stephen being a genius I don't know
4: that's a great question yeah yeah um, so Gerald ends up waking up after surgery he's gonna be just fine because Ethan is a genius of course <laughs> and. So, Ethan shows him the picture of his father, you know, of Gerald and his father that he found, and we get this revelation.
0: I'm not sure if you've heard, but, um, Patrick passed away about three months ago. I know. He didn't want me to see him when he was sick. Yeah, he, he kind of cut himself off. I didn't find out how sick he was till it was too late. Oh. Patrick was always a very private person, but he told me a lot about you. That's why I came in today. I wanted to meet his son. So you two were close. Yes. <laughs> Look. I shouldn't have come in. Wait, I. I don't understand. Your father never wanted you to know. Know what? We were in love.
4: Okay. Did not see that coming.
3: Wow.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Did not see that coming at all.
3: Yeah. Ethan
4: is shook.
3: Yep. Yep.
4: Like real shook. Yep. Yep. And I mean, I would be, I mean, if I was in Ethan's position, I would imagine I would be shocked
3: too. Yeah. I like, I'm sad for both of them for Ethan and his father. Cause like, it's sad that neither one of them felt like they could have that relationship to talk about it. Like, yeah, Patrick wanted to like present this like manly big, like United front or whatever. And granted, I mean, don't ask, don't tell typically was like a designated period of time, but I think even before that it was like, you know, kind of the for status sure. quo. Yeah. So, like, man, that it's sad that, like, they didn't get, they, they had, they didn't get to have their love in, like, this day and age where, you know, gay marriage is legal and it's okay to be out the relationship mm-hmm. and everything. Man.
4: Yeah. But then it leaves, I mean, Ethan is shy. like, I wonder what happens with him next week. And this kind of brings me to what we were kind of alluding to earlier and we said we'd get to. I definitely, like, I think this combined with what Steven told me in the interview when I asked about, like, the Ethan and um, Archer rel- dynamic moving forward. And he said, well, you know, Ethan's got a lot of big changes and yada, yada, yada. Just the way he phrased it. And then combined with this, I could definitely see Ethan leaving at the end of the season. We interpreted this as much true. As, I, Yo, as much as I hate it, I, like, I don't want to see Ethan leave. I We just got him back. And I'm just like. But Brian T can't leave. Like, I just, like I said, the way Stephen phrased that and like this revelation, I can see it making him be like, what the fuck am I, you know, like just reevaluating all this stuff in his life. And I could see him being like, you know what? I'm going to go leave the hot, like, you know, decide to leave. Like I can, I can just, I'm, it's one of those exits that I'm like, kind of like, Hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst
3: for. Yeah. And we, we took that, like, we, Stephen's little tidbit in the interview, we, we took that into completely opposite directions, like very, very opposite. But, uh, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. And I mean, I, I was theorizing about it even earlier in the season, just because Brian hasn't been around. Right. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course he's going to leave to go film a miniseries with freaking Nicole Kidman. Of course. Right. Um, right. So like he's getting those kind of gigs now. His daughter is starting to act too. And like just things that, you know, I'm 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 starting to mentally prep too. Like, well, like prepare and, for the worst, hope for the best.
4: Yeah. And like just because, like, I mean, we of course that deadline article that came out last season that said, you know, like that um Oliver and Apa and Nick and Brian, like that they all in contracts. Okay, well, we don't know what the contract and it doesn't mean they all signed the same contract. Mm-hmm. So like Brian could have signed a contract for another year. We don't know. And, you know, just while everyone else could have signed contracts for three more years. I mean, like, we don't know. So, you know, like I said, I just, I, I wasn't fully convinced. I mean, we, we've kind of been thinking about it, I guess, like you said, all season. But like, and then I saw this and then I talked to Steven and I was like, oh,
3: fuck. I could see oh, him God, leaving fuck. for a position at the VA.
4: Yeah. I can't even see him going off to do some kind of soul searching. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, like everything that's happened to him, it would make sense, right? Like he, you know, had all those setbacks with his back after he got shot, he lost his dad. He found out that his dad had this whole secret life that he didn't even know about because they didn't have that kind of relationship. Like that's a lot to deal with in a short amount of time. I mean, one of those things is a lot to deal with. And just, I could just see him being like, I need to take some real time off. Like, Mm -hmm. you know and really figure out what it is I want to do or, you know, whatever. And
3: yeah. I can see it. I know. Yeah. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. I I hope we are wrong, but I won't be surprised if it happens.
4: It will still hurt, of course, but yeah, yeah, I won't, I don't, I don't think I'll be surprised if it happens for sure.
3: Um, um, um. (laughs) Any other notes on med? A wild one, but also a good one.
4: So A wild one is the
3: perfect way to put it. Yeah. Just casual guy on fire, vodka-soaked tampons. (laughs) Just mad things, mad things. (laughs) Okay, so moving into fire. This was a good fire episode. This was good. Oh man, this was really good. Oh my goodness.
4: Fire's really been
3: killing it recently. It has. Um, If you are wondering, the One Chicago Pod Squad group chat, we have still not recovered from this episode. Um, I, yeah, definitely way
4: not recovered. No. Um, unlike fire, which definitely recovered from its mid season slump that they hit because they were definitely not doing that great after, you know, between like 10.05 and 10.10, they were definitely not doing that great. But the back half has been really
3: good. I definitely spent some time on Tumblr on Thursday and was like, huh, Connie? <laughs> like, 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 uh, like. <laughs> uh,
4: Yeah, I definitely did not. Save all of those gifts on my phone. And I mean, I tweeted about it. what what,
3: huh? I definitely did not like any Hakami gift sets I saw on Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. None no, at all. Did not
4: happen. Although you know what was hysterical. So I tweeted because I was just dying to talk about Hakami on Thursday, but of course we didn't because we're recording now and we didn't record on Thursday. And so I tweeted a little bit about it. And then I was like, oh yeah when I realized that two people who liked that tweet were both Jimmy and Hanako. And I was like, oh yeah, when both ha- problems, when both halves of, uh, your ship follow you,
3: the actual captains of the Hakami ship. But actually though, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about Violet and Emma, which, you know what, the more the season is going on, the more I'm realizing, I think Violet is like my newest comfort character. Like I just love her. She's
4: been she's been my comfort character. And I still think about the fact that like last year when our friend Rachel was binging the show and she was asking us about like our favorite characters, whatever. And I said something, I was like, Well, it's a character you haven't met yet, but like Violet, you know, for sure is definitely my top five. And she was like, I don't understand. And then she watched it and she was like, Oh, I get it. And mm-hmm. I was, yeah, but Violet has for sure she is definitely like, I think, my favorite character on fire, she's
3: like funny. by far. She's so funny and she's just very relatable.
4: Yeah. yeah I just I love everything that Violet is and Violet stands for I just I love her
3: mm-hmm. yeah for sure so Emma and Mason arrive to work early both of them and like Emma wastes no time and like cozying up to him like okay all right it's like okay. I thought you were into Gallo but okay here we go <laughs> and then like I thought Mason was gonna be into Seeger but then we haven't seen Seeger in forever. And I don't think we're
4: probably going to see Seeker again this season. It doesn't seem like it at least, but like, yeah. Hey, if she's off filming season three of Upload, I'm cool with that. They haven't gotten renewed yet. They
3: would better get renewed.
4: I mean, Um, I'm sure they will because it's like Amazon's best. It's like very up there for them. Like, you know, it's very well received for them. So I'm sure it will be, but it has not officially gotten renewed yet.
3: I would be so pissed if Upload ended the way it ended.
4: Yeah. I'm sure it will. I'm. I, it just hasn't officially gotten renewed yet, but I'm sure. I mean, it's done so well for them, you know, yeah. very well received. Like, I, I can't imagine it not getting renewed.
3: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So Emma makes a comment to Mason about how, like, you know, his position's permanent and she wishes that hers was and she wants to stay at 51. And then she's like, let's have drinks at Molly's later. And he's just like, all right. Okay. Just the two of them. Just the two of them. Okay. All right. Whatever. So Violet walks into the locker room and Gallo notices like something's bugging her, but she doesn't really want to talk to him at first. But then he's like, no, like you can talk to me. It's fine. Um, But she admits that it's it's been tough with Hawkins lately, which like, no, I don't I, I reject this. I don't want this. Go back to being like blissfully happy together. Thank you.
4: The thing that I love about this, though, because she's like, you know, it feels like we're having an affair and that sucks. She's like, you know, I don't like sneaking around, whatever. And she's like, but we've tried staying apart and that just doesn't work. And I'm just like, yeah, you have You've tried like 20 times and it doesn't work because of course it doesn't work because you're drawn to each other because you're perfect for each other.
3: Because you're supposed to be together. Together. Yeah. Funny how that works. And the way she says it, she's like, it feels like we're having an affair. I'm like, yeah, like the hottest affair ever talking about. Yeah. So Emma interrupts them, awkward, of course. She's just such a pest. Like, go go away, go away.
4: I tweeted this, but I literally don't think I've ever disliked a character so fast that I have more than Emma. Like, I just don't. Like, even because people then responded, they're like, oh, well, what about Chili? And I'm like, yes, technically, as of right now, I would rank Chili above Emma as, like, my most hated character. But in the beginning, Chili was okay. Like I didn't mind Chili in the beginning. She just had like an ultimate downfall eventually. But like Emma, just right off the bat, I just can't stand her. Cannot.
3: Okay, but but okay in season four is like really terrible in other season terms. Like okay, but technically Chili gets introduced in season
4: three at the end, and like she was okay then. She just went downhill once her sister died. And then yep. she became like the worst character ever
3: fair but also the end of three wasn't great either um
4: yeah but 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 I'm just saying Emma Chili was at least okay she was at least okay in the beginning Emma just from
3: the I'm just like nope I don't like her don't like her yep so they get to the scene of this call and it's a jet engine crash a jet engine just crashed into a school as one does uh so a girl comes running up for help for her friend and she's basically got a piece of shrapnel like stuck in her neck okay she's having a very bad day so um emma once again has terrible bedside manners. she's just like well this is like inches from severing your carotid artery no big deal and violet's just like oh my god like snap it uh but of course violet saves the day so back at 51 gallows making lunch and emma's like is violet okay and she basically says that she couldn't handle the call from earlier and it freaked the patient out
4: which is not what happened <laughs> so not what happened no Ugh. so now she's just out here being a lying liar who lies and it's just like emma
3: get the fuck out <laughs> that's not how we roll like leave no leave So later on at Molly's, Violet shows up and Gallo and Ritter are like, you're not hanging out with Hawkins. And she's like, yeah, he's at a seminar. I can't even call, like, bummer. Okay, I will say real quick before we move on. Something Mm -hmm. that I also was thinking about is that, okay, Ritter
4: now knows. Like the one thing I will say that I missed from all this, and I think honestly would have helped with the storyline maybe just a little bit, is like, we see, you know, Violet tells Brett and then we, Gallo figures out, but like Ritter now knows, Stella knew and we didn't see them find out but like I think it would have been nice to see other people find out and be like okay yeah it's not that big of a deal but you're dating your boss
3: right like obviously
4: of course 51 is going to support her because that's what 51 does and they're (laughs) her real friends and like you know or they would tell it to her like hey you should just be careful kind of like in the way Brett did but I think it would have been nice to see that like other people found out and been like, hey, it's not that really a big deal, you know, whatever. Like, I think it would have been nice to see that other side, you know, and see her not get looked at for dating her boss.
3: Yeah, and I feel like it would make her feel better about the whole situation if 51 is just like, cool, you're dating Chief Hawkins, moving on.
4: Right, and I mean, obviously, of course they did because Ritter makes a comment about the fact that she's not hanging out with Hawkins and he doesn't really blink an eye about it. But like, still, it would have been nice to see, think, Ritter find out and to see Stella find out and be like, eh, okay, cool.
3: He's hot. Okay, you know cool. how that like prob- you know, like Yeah. Yeah. You know how that yeah. probably went down though? Is right after Gallo was like, I can't believe you think that I would hurt you. I would never do that. He probably stormed away to Ritter and was like and like just blabbed everything.
4: Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure there was a girl chat when you know Sylvie or you know, Sylvie makes a comment and asks Violet about how it's going and so was like, wait, what? Like you're dating Hawk, you know, like whatever. Like, ooh, scandalous. Like, tell me more. Like, I could just see them having, I just and now that we've seen Ritter also knows, and like said, Stella knows, it just would have been nice to see that and see like, oh no, like not everyone has a problem with it.
3: Yeah. That also brings up another good question, because you mentioned Brett. Like, I don't get the feeling that she's staying in touch with them. I feel like she and Casey are in their little love bubble up in Portland.
4: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they ha- it's not like she's gone MIA and not texted them at all, because- i mean Severide made that comment about casey being like i'm glad yeah you know i know she's he's glad that brett's with him or whatever mm-hmm. whatever that exact comment was to joe but yeah i'm sure they're not like texting 24 7 because like they're finally with each other why would they spend all their time talking to people in chicago like that's for later yeah
3: yeah, yeah. um so gallo comments about like how stressful the whole thing must be and he's like maybe you should like take a few shifts off and she looks him square in the eye she goes i have relationships issues gallo i don't have a debilitating disease
4: i think we could just make like a ton of different merch with like violet quotes because everything that comes out of her mouth is hysterical it's gold
3: yeah every That's single thing so he very casually brings up the girl with the shop the shop, and she's like that was no big deal like there was barely any blood and so all three of them are like, um, something's up here. Like something's really- Well, yeah, Gallo
4: Gallo doesn't really say anything at this point, but he obviously, you can see the wheels turning in his head. He's like, oh yeah, Emma's a
3: lying liar who lies.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, big time. So that's so then- what she is. Violet and Emma get called out for a guy who fell down the stairs on one of those scooters. Did you recognize the location? Please tell me you did. I honestly don't know if I really paid that much attention to it. You remember when we were there in 2019 and we sat on the stairs and, like, just kind of chilled and watched the ducks on the river? Oh, yeah. Was that that? That was that. I <sighs> need to get back to fucking Chicago. Oh, uh, yeah. I miss it so much. So much. I know. But you're the one
4: that's, like, busy, busy with all your, like, trips later. Do you even have time off to go to Chicago?
3: Okay. Well, it's difficult to do this year because, like, when you're getting married, like, there's a lot happening. But. Well, and Germany. It is Germany, right? Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. Colson. Yeah. Um, Germany was three, three years ago now. Oh man.
4: Okay. Germany was where you were the last time you couldn't go with me to Chicago.
3: Yep. Yep. We really had no idea how good we had it in 2019. Nope. <laughs> no. But yeah, I'm just like, I want to go. Gina. I know. I can pop up there for like a weekend or something. Like I got to put in for all the stuff in the fall, but then yes. And then I'm going to my honeymoon in December. So like this year is tough, but I know that's what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah. I could pop up there for like a three day weekend or something. If it's like a bank holiday. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk. talk. Yeah, we'll talk. So, yeah, so this, this poor guy broke his arm and he needs it to be reduced first before they move him. And so Emma like insists that she do the reduction because she's like, this stuff doesn't bother me. And Violet's like, uh, back it up, bitch. Like, I got it. <laughs> yeah. So they get back from the call and Violet immediately pulls Gallo and Ritter aside. I got like major in the Heights vibes from the scene. Like when she, when she pulls Ritter in and Gallo like hops off the washing machine. It reminded me of that scene at the beginning when like, um, some little birdie told me Usnavi had sex with Yolanda. Like (laughs) totally made me think of that. And all three of them be like, no me diga. (laughs) That's hysterical. Yeah. That's really funny. But instead of that, they have this conversation. We need to talk about Emma. Um, hello,
0: what have I been saying? We went on this call and she was acting like she was the PIC, questioning my abilities in front of the patient. No. Yeah, with a smile on her face like it was no big deal. Okay, at Molly's the other night, when you suggested I should take a few shifts off, did she say something to you? She did say that you seemed a little out of it on that jet engine call. I only believed her because you did seem distracted that morning. I am starting to think that she is shady. She lied about going to Johns Hopkins. She lied about that? And you knew? Why wouldn't you tell me? We we thought she just wanted to seem more qualified. And we didn't want to stir the pot since she ain't sticking around. She also told me that she wishes she could stay at 51 permanently. She said the same thing to me. This
4: bitch is after my job. I will say it did make my heart happy to see, I mean, granted, I know, again, we don't forgive Gallo for everything he did earlier on, but like to see the millennials back as like the trio that we love and like them, you know, gossiping and hanging out. Like, I was just like, oh, it did warm my heart. I was like, yeah, I love the millennials.
3: Yeah. Back to full strength. Yeah. That was perfect. And then just just Violet, this bitch is after my job. After my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah,
4: but also, fuck Emma. <laughs> yes! Yes! But also, fuck Emma. Like, I can't wait to see what these three come up with to, like, get her the fuck out of here. Like, I just... Fuck Emma.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Violet goes to talk to Bowden about Emma, but there's nothing he can do. And Bowden even says, he's like, Hawkins placed her here. I can't override his order. Uh.
4: Yeah. This guy... I really thought... And this was, somebody brought it up. It was Helene was talking about it. I don't remember why. Oh, they were talking about like researching things for fan fiction or whatever. And Helene told me, and I thought it was the other way around, that paramedic chief is over ambulance commander. I thought that like Hawkins had someone above him, but apparently he is like top, top, top. Damn. Which like it makes it even more impressive, but because I was on, un- I was kind of wondering, and I was like, "What?" And then she said something about like, "No, according to her research for fan fiction purposes, that apparently it's ambulance commander under paramedic chief," which I thought was interesting. Okay, so I guess that would make sense of, like he can't be overridden by even Bowden, which seemed a little weird, but like, right? right.
3: Okay. So then we're at Molly's, and Emma asks Mason for that drink, and he agrees. And Gallo and Ritter are just like, oh, boy. Like,
4: <laughs> I mean, I think it seems obvious, right? Like, Emma's trying to buddy up to Mason so that when it comes down and it's like a she said, she said between Emma and Violet, she has at least somebody on her side, right? That's where <laughs> we're going with this. It's weird. It's really weird. Emma is just, it's, just, it's really weird.
3: So then... So then I was <laughs> already giggling. Okay. Yeah. Violet and Hawkins are hanging out and she's venting about Emma and we're just gonna we're gonna let it play. I wanna say she's gaslighting me or she's just a liar.
0: Doesn't really matter. Either way, she is a sociopath who I can't trust at all and who's after my job. You're not going anywhere. I need you to transfer Emma out of 51. I wish I could. You know I can't get involved. Not with all eyes on us right now. There's gotta be something we can do or someone else I can go to. (sighs) Brett's back in a month, right? Yeah, well that's a month of looking over my shoulder during life and death situations. Pilot Mikami, you are an excellent medic. I know you can handle it. But I shouldn't have to. She is clearly vindictive or worse. If we weren't doing This. It
2: won't be this way forever.
0: But look at us, Evan. You're practically on probation because of me, and I can file a complaint about a coworker because of you. Oh, my God, how did we get here? How did we risk our careers like this? Why did you make me fall in love with you? I didn't mean in love. Why did I... It's okay. I feel
1: the same way.
0: this is a disaster
3: total disaster you all remember what to do whenever anyone says a secret word right? Scream! Scream. Scream.
0: Right! For the rest of the day, whenever anyone says a secret word why did you make me fall in love with you? Scream real loud! Ready? Let's try her out. <laughs> oh, Jerry! Yes, Pee Wee. How do you like today's secret word? Ooh, I like crystal. Yeah!
4: I will just say I am glad that we weren't on FaceTime when we were watching this. Cause I definitely was like, I didn't see this coming. I didn't think they were going to say that. So when they said it, I was like, literally slid down in my chair. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that
3: just happened
4: in the best way, of course. But I was like, Oh my God,
3: <laughs> they said the L word they're in love I mean I they're in love the only thing that could have made that scene like completely perfect the only thing is that instead of Hawkins saying I feel the same way as if he would said if he had said I love you too that would have been perfection I would have been absolutely dead uh and I, I mean I'm still really happy with it don't get me wrong but um, and I love you too I, would have been perfect
4: I think though I think this was them like I think to me like yeah sure would have been nice to actually hear the words I love you from either one of them like of course but I actually think this felt very much like them because she's like you know all of a sudden she's just like ranting she's like you know how did we get here you know how did we risk her career she's like why did you make me fall in love with you and then he you know he just says he's like I feel the same way like the fact that they didn't even have to say it like they just knew that that's what they were talking about it just I don't know I I, I loved everything about this obsessed there's like so many things i want to i the, also the other things i've like dissected the scene now like 20 bajillion times i've watched it a lot the other thing that i love about this scene is at the end when they're like you know that she, she pilot says you should like this is a disaster and he comes up and he's like you know total disaster like that could have very easily there is no hint of regret in either one of their voices as they said that like Mm-mm. they are fully acknowledging that like yeah the situation they found themselves in is like not ideal right like th- this could go a lot of ways of a lot of better but like they are still in it because they love each other I mean like they that, like this is the person they want to do this just for anyone else but they are in this disaster because they care about each other and they love each other and you know like I just I really appreciate it like this is a disaster but like it, it very could have easily been like Violet being like yeah this is a disaster and yeah I do love you but like this just isn't working. And mm-hmm. that's not what happens. They just acknowledge it like, yeah, they're in a disaster, but they're willing to stick it out because of each other. And I just, I love it. It's
3: a beautiful disaster.
4: Yeah. And I love to, and this is what I tweeted the other day, was that I love to when she goes, like when they go in for the hug, like you can just see on Violet's face, like how happy and content and just like safe she feels. Even though, like, again, everything around them is so fucked up but like you can just see it on her face about like you know how safe and happy and content she isn't like it just it looks so different than anything else we ever saw from her and gallo and i just it makes my heart really happy yeah like saying really happy same
3: but yeah, then that, we also that, have go, go ahead. ahead i'll let you oh, no, I was gonna say, say that that, and that then, big hug was perfect
4: oh oh my god it's amazing but then you get the other side and it, the camera flips to hawkins face And he's got like kind of a look on his face. Like, uh, I mean, I, you know, obviously he's happy, of course, but it's also like, he it definitely is like, he's going to do something and I don't know what, but he's going to do something.
3: Yeah. This whole Emma situation though, by both of them being like, I can't do anything. That's going to come back and bite them.
4: Yeah, it it definitely is. And I, something's going to happen. I mean, there was that picture that uh, Lulo tweeted of, um, Caitlin and Jimmy in what looks like to be Hawkins office so I'm sure Emma's gonna go to him and try to say something to him or whatever but and yeah it's gonna bite him in the ass because he knows he can't do anything about it Violet knows she can't do anything about it they just kind of are being forced to, to stick it out and I am definitely curious to see what happens
3: sure for sure oh man
4: I know I could I honestly though I feel like I could gush about Hakami for like 20 years because I just I love them it's like all I want to talk about but then this episode would be like three hours long but just about I mean it already is gonna be three hours I was gonna say we're gonna get three hours three out it'd be an extra three hours long
3: yeah rightfully so man they are a bright spot in what has been a tough season
4: the brightest spot let's be Mm -hmm. real
3: yeah the brightest so we got some listener thoughts here because, I mean, it's hot mania. How could it not be, right? Okay, so Zola said, okay, regarding Emma, vote her out. She is sus. She said, still kind of laughing at how everyone is now figuring that out. and Ritter is like that Kermit sipping tea gif. <laughs> but oh my God, what the hell is her deal? I kind of feel that fan theory could be right and her attempts to sabotage Violet could be the cliffhanger. It's, I, I think yeah. so. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Uh, but then she also said, super quick, OMG, Violet confessed to Hawkins. I love her so much. That was the cutest accidental I love you ever. Hakami forever. Yes. Hakami forever. Forever. We should make, you know what we need to make a ha- aside from Hakami forever, Hakami Nation rise with like the bat signal. Oh my God. We have to do that. I got to try. I my, I my skills are very limited in graphic design, but I can try. No, we uh, we're going to figure that shit out. Yeah. That's like the best idea ever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she said, I said it. I actually think at this point, Gallo and Violet are better as friends. I don't know. Why does Evan have to be so perfect? But yeah, Gallo and Violet are definitely better as friends.
4: Yeah, they are definitely great BFFs. Love them as BFFs. We,
3: yeah. You know how they always say, like, the grass is green. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. In this situation, the grass is greener. We we got a taste yeah. of Hawkins, and now we're like, oh, no, you know, don't go back to Gallo. Don't. Just trust us. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, Ricard said, Emma is just the worst. Brett, please come back. If Violet becomes the next victim of the Ambo 61 curse, I will riot. I will riot. Yeah. Don't touch her. Protect Violet at all costs. Yes, please. And then therefore Hawkins. (laughs) We're we're not, yeah. And by association,
3: Hawkins. All you got to do is like demote Hawkins for whatever reason, get Emma out of there and then have Hawkins be your partner. Problem solved. I just solved the problem. There you go. Mm -hmm. And if you got to balance, and this is if Sylvie were to leave, but then the way we balance it out, because like all of a sudden we're short on women, right? The way we balance it out is we add another woman firefighter. Oh, problem solved! I just did that. Mm-hmm. Yep, fix this staffing problem. I just did that. There are Brett fans that are wanting to come for my head right now because I just like assumed that Kara was leaving. Anyway,
4: no, but and that okay, we're gonna talk on it for two seconds because the fact, and we were kind of talking about this in the group chat earlier, but. I do kind of agree. Like, the other person that I am, like, preparing for the worst, hoping for the best for, is Kara. Yeah. Like, they keep referencing, it's like, Brett's only gonna be gone for a month. Like, she's only, you know, she'll be back in a month. She'll be back. She'll be, you know. But, like, I feel like because they're doing that, it's like, uh, I mean, yes, I'm sure she will be back. Like, she and Casey are obviously coming back for this Stellaride ride wedding. I, I have no doubts about that. <laughs> but, like... Are they going to come back? And she's like, no, I loved it in Oregon more. Like, I realized that, like, I need to be with Kate, you know, whatever. And not to say they won't come back to Chicago eventually, but, you know, right now that she needs to be in Oregon, like, I can totally see it happening.
3: I can, too. I can, too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you... Too perfect.
4: You were just talking about the fact that, like, you know, then you're down a woman or whatever and, like, oh, you just add another girl firefighter. You know how you even better fix that storyline. Is you finally have Kylie go join the academy and like get in it on it for real. Yeah, we already have her, we already have her, she's just working a desk job. Like, she Kylie needs to be finally turning whatever age needs to be to join the academy. I'm like, let's get this going.
3: Get her in the academy right now, right now. So that when the deadline article drops. And the worst case scenario comes true. She is ready to go as the candidate when season eleven premieres. Done. We just fixed that problem. You're welcome. Yep. We're gonna get so much hate for this. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, I think.
4: I don't think it's hate. I think it's just. I think a lot of people are thinking it. Like, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are, especially people who love. Bre- I mean, I love Brett. I love Kara. I don't want to see her leave. I obviously mm-hmm. would love for. In my perfect world, I would love to see Jesse and Kara come back and I could have the Brettie that I thought I was going to get all of season 10. And like, that is my perfect world, right? That like, mm-hmm. they both come back, but like, again, prepare for the worst, hope for the best, just the way they seem to be writing things. It really seems like Brett's going to come back and be like, yeah, I really need to be in Oregon right now, like
3: mm-hmm. full time. Yep. But again, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Yep. If we are wrong, we will be so happy we were wrong. Yes, I will
4: gladly, especially even regarding to the Ethan thing, too. I will gladly admit that I was wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I hate that I was wrong the first time when I was like, oh, no, Jesse's not leaving. And then I was wrong. I hate that I was wrong then. But I will gladly admit that I was wrong if they both stay or if one of them stays. Like, I will gladly admit it.
3: Same. But, Same. Yeah. So Anne said, I'm really getting worried about what Emma is going to possibly do to Violet and possibly Hawkins by the end of the season. At least the millennials are now all on the same page when it comes to Emma and we know they'll have Violet's back if anything does happen. Emma has no filter when dealing with the patients, a psychotic look on her face when trying to better best Violet and worm her way into her life at 51. And she said in parentheses, what the hell is she doing dragging Mason into this mess? Yeah. As for Hakami confessing that they're in love with each other, it was golden. Honestly thought Evan would be the one to say at first, not Violet, while having a verbal rant, but again, their personal work relationship is causing problems because he can't do anything about Emma because of it. The look on his face while hugging her has me questioning what's going to happen next because it's not an expression I would expect from someone whose girlfriend has just confessed that she's in love with him. And I think he's worried about what problems Emma might bring upon them and how he might help Violet deal with it without getting them both in trouble with CFD brass. I don't know. I mean yeah like yeah. I
4: said I, I definitely it, it definitely has the look of like Hawkins is gonna do something whether that's by himself does he go to Gallo and Ritter and try to help that way which I would die because I think that would be the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. but like I don't know that's definitely the look of someone who's gonna do something I just yeah. don't know what that something is hmm yeah. Um, and then last up, Megan R said, Emma makes my skin crawl every time I see <laughs> her on my screen. I did not like how she was flirting with Mason. And I can't wait to see the Millennials and hopefully Hawkins, too, take Emma down. Hell yeah.
3: Hell yeah. But also, yeah. I, I totally see it being the cliffhanger. Like the finale in my head right now is like Stellaride wedding. I do, I do kisses, hugs. Yay, everybody's married. And then, like, the very last scene is something where, like, Violet walks in somewhere and like Emma's there, and then it's just like credits.
4: Okay, but now that we, s- it seems really likely that the Cellaride wedding is going to be a finale, and like Violet, as of as of right now, episode 19 is still seeing Hawkins. Does she take Hawkins with her to the Cellaride wedding, or is that like too much and they're not there yet?
3: She'd fucking better. <laughs> like, she'd better show him off. Hell yeah. yeah. But right, but like what I'm saying is, right now they're
4: in secret mode. So I like, will they be at a point by the finale, like that she can take him to the wedding?
3: I hope so. I would like to be. I mean, that would suck, right? If she has to come to the wedding solo, or like, if they really wanted to be mean, like really, really mean, it could be something where like Violet can't go with Hawkins. So Gallo's like, you can be my plus one, and then all of us are like, ah, no,
4: <laughs> yeah, oh. I don't know. I, I I don't know. But it just it is something to think about because it's like, oh, man, that would be great. And then I'm like, but they're not there yet. I mean, like, they're not out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're out to their friends. But, like, would they take that step,
3: you know, and be out in public? I don't know. One Chicago, I feel like, can be very bad if you suffer from anxiety because you get really good at thinking of every single worst case scenario that could possibly happen, which is exactly what they try to help you in therapy to not do.
4: When especially, I feel like with fire and with Derek, and like, you know, it just, yeah.
3: What if there's another boat crash? (laughs) Like, squad has to go in in their suits. Like, I don't know.
4: I really want to believe, though. And I don't know why my gut is telling me this, but I want to say that, of course, there's going to be a cliffhanger. It's Derek and Andrea. It's one Chicago. Like, of course, there's going to be some kind of cliffhanger. But my gut really is saying it's not physical, like a physical injury or something this year. Like, it's going to be emotional and it's whatever. But my gut is telling me it's not like a physical cliffhanger this year.
3: Really? Okay. I don't.
4: That's my gut. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm right. Right. I don't want to be wrong on that. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Let's be real. The, the ideal finale for all of us would be like, bye, Stella and Kelly. Have a great time on your honeymoon. We'll see you in season 11. Like that's. Oh, perfect. and Emma's gone. And Emma's gone now. Yeah. Like, bye. Yeah.
4: Bye, yeah. Bitch. Like, Specific- get out of here.
3: <laughs> specifically Hakami seeing them off and being like, bye, Stella and Kelly. Have a great honeymoon. We're going to be having absolutely rocket sex until you get back. Like. Yeah, because
4: we're celebrating that Emma's gone now. She's moved out of the city. And it's
3: totally cool that we're together now. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically, that's our dream finale. But, you
4: know. And then everybody is
3: completely safe and sound over the summer. And we don't have to worry.
4: Yeah, exactly.
3: Except that's exactly what's not going to happen.
4: No, it's not.
3: (laughs) Can we stay out of the, the, can we stay out of Lake Michigan this time? That would be great.
4: I mean, we're kind of close, though, because we're getting married right near Lake Michigan, so... Oh,
3: my God. We've got to talk about that, but I'm sure you have that later on in the uh, the outline. We do have to talk about that, but... Oh, duh. <sighs> duh. Duh. <laughs> okay. So then we have Bowden and Stella and Kylie. This was great. I this love this. This was
4: honestly better than I even thought it would be and I thought it was already going to be pretty great
3: this was art yeah this was perfect go ahead Bryna okay so Bowden,
4: we get like pretty early on in the episode Bowden is watching Kylie from his office flirt with some repair guy <laughs> that's like hanging around or whatever his name is needles <laughs> that's all you need to know and it's like oh Kylie like already we're like two seconds in and it's like oh Kylie you can do so much better Yeah so much better so Stella stops by Bowdoin's office when they get back from the call and like literally the first like she's like oh I'm sorry it took us so long whatever and he's like the first thing out of his mouth is have you seen this like referencing (laughs) Kylie talking to this needles guy or whatever (laughs) it's just so funny because Stella obviously of course has not seen it and Bowdoin's like we do not pay him to stand around and flirt this whole thing means trouble Um, But Stella is, of course, like, no, Kylie can handle herself. Like, she's okay. Like, calm down. It's going to be okay. But so Stella tries to go and talk to needles and, like, get to know him. And it's just so awkward because she's like, what is that on your neck? A stormtrooper? And then she gets a little closer. She's like, nope, I can clearly see its skull. Like, she's in completely awkward mom mode. Yeah. Luckily, she gets saved by the bell because and then, you know, gets called out or yeah. Yeah violet gets called out and the bell is like what disrupts it but still it's like okay so later on boden asks stella like what she thinks of needles and she's just like maybe he's she's trying to of course be supportive of kylie she's like you know but maybe he's not super outgoing like i'm sure he's harmless and then boden tells her that um needles apparently took kylie out on a date and stella's just like what (laughs) <laughs> she's like, we cannot allow our girl to lower her standards like that. And Bowdoin's just like, no, we cannot. And I, just, <laughs> I love I love it. It's so good. So this ends and Bowdoin and Stella decide to like sit Kylie down and talk to them about needles. And but like, they're so awkward about it because they don't want to overstep. But she's just like, there's nothing to worry about. Like the date sucked. All he want to talk about was this art. Like there's not going to be a second date. And they're just like so relieved when Kylie tells them and she's like, so that's it. I can leave. And she's and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like as Kylie like gets up and like goes back to her desk or whatever, she's just like, thanks, mom and dad. (laughs) It's just so cute. So perfect. I just I thought this storyline was already going to be great just from the episode description. But this was like 20 times better.
3: Yeah, it was perfect.
4: But I do want to see like a part two eventually when Kylie does really meet like a guy she is serious about. And like, I would love to see a part two of Bowdoin and Stella, like interrogating him for like whoever that is for real. That would be so fun.
3: That would be fantastic. I would pay good money for that.
4: Uh, Yeah.
3: So then last up, we've got Severide. There's two more. Two more. I knew that. I swear I knew that. Listen, I was sick all week. Okay. Like you can't take what I'm saying with any seriousness. Um. Yeah, you were you, you. are correct, there were two. I knew that, I totally knew that. Uh, yeah, so Severide and the jet engine call and this whole mess. Okay, so all of 51 gets called to the scene. There's a jet engine that crashed into a school and there's a whole class that's still missing. So Squad and Stella and Mason go in looking for them. There's really not a good way out or a good way in, but Mason has an idea. Mason's like, dude, we can just like cut this wall precisely so that it falls the exact way we want it. Damn, Mason, I see you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's like, he used to do it with trees when he was a firefighter in prison. So Bowden and Stella were like, all right, like try it. And of course it works. So he nails it. Totally. Yeah. So Severide and Cruz get everyone out. And then they have that cute little, like, Stella's relieved, like, oh, my God, you didn't fry in the building kiss. Um, yeah. Would, St- would, would would Kelly have known to do that if he was on the outside? I don't know. Is somebody probably, coming for his I mean,
4: Avenger status? Yeah, I want to say, like, he's an Avenger, so yes, but also probably not. Because it's like, I mean, as we find out, it's not something they teach you in the academy. Like, for the only reason Mason knows it's because of his experience outside of the academy.
3: Mm -hmm. So. Watch out, Kelly. Mason's coming for your status. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with it, though. Uh, Yeah, so before she goes and writes her report, Stella stops by Sev's quarters. And she just says, she's like, I don't really want to know, but how close was that engine to falling on your head? And Kelly just goes, I was never worried. Of course you weren't. Like, course but then he goes maybe just a smidge I've been in way worse spots like I don't know the time a chimney fell on him
4: uh I mean the fact that he almost got blown up by a boat I mean like there's like literally just like every episode just name an episode
3: the fact that he blew himself up in a boat yeah the fact that he like shielded everybody from the grenade and the med backdoor pilot yeah um the fact that he and
4: Casey jumped off that roof when they like let that whatever gas explosion I don't know whatever that situation was and they jumped off the roof into the river
3: yeah yeah yep uh yeah Stella's like oh man like don't I know it so then a guy from the FAA shows up and he's like somebody saw somebody from squad three walk off with this part of the plane because they're trying to like reconstruct it to analyze what happened and he's like we need it back and Severide's like yeah well good luck I didn't take it And so Bowdoin's like, you need to back it up. Like, if Sev says he didn't take it, he didn't take it. This guy's just grumpy. He, like, comes in this firehouse with a chip on his shoulder, like, calm down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then um, the guy's like, well, you just brought the full weight of the U.S. government down on your house. And I feel like all of one Chicago Twitter was like, ooh, I'm so scared. (laughs) We were all just kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, sit down, grandpa. So- Seven crews go back to the school to see if any of the students know anything, but nobody says a word. Um, I think I read that like they use, they, they like, just randomly found like a high school and a class and were like, hey, you're going to be extras. And they were like, okay. And then they just no, like, that's funny. Yeah. Cool. So while they're cleaning out the rigs again, the guy that Ritter had helped earlier in the call, he stops by and he's like, I know who took the missing piece. So Ritter shows Severide a TikTok and it's some high school kid who's bragging about it. This has to be the first time Severide has ever seen a TikTok, right?
4: Right. I'm su- I'm surprised we didn't get to see Severide being like, what's a TikTok? I know.
3: <laughs> it would have been so perfect. Unless like Stella sends him funny stuff and he doesn't realize it's TikTok. Do you imagine that Severide's ended
4: some of the like hilarious fail videos that Taylor Kinney is really into? I can like, see that it. seems like Severide's kind of humor, right?
3: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that, but he's definitely not on
4: TikTok. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, I'm sure that same, because like every day, it seems like now, like Taylor posts on his stories, you know, like all these, those like random fail videos. And you're like, where did he find this? But like, I feel like that is Severide's brand of humor too. So I could see if Severide were introduced to TikTok or like Stella, at least those are the videos that Stella sends him. She's like, I know he'll find this funny and like sends it down.
3: Yeah. Yep. Um, so Severide tracks this kid down and the kid's like, listen, if I come clean, I'm going to lose my scholarship. Like that's his pretty much soul worried. So Seth's like, no, don't worry. I'll keep your name out of it. Just give us the thing back. So the, he gives the, pay, the piece back to the FAA officer and Severide basically takes the fall. He's like, you know, it looks just like a Halligan. You can see why I would do this. Like he just says it was a mistake. I'm sorry. Doesn't even bring the kid's name up. Um, we also got some history on the Halligan bar. I didn't know it was named after a guy. I didn't either. I cool. wouldn't have
4: even thought that it was named after. I mean, I've literally never thought about that in my entire life, but yeah.
3: Fire facts. You, things you learn. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then Stella and Severite at the very end of the episode, they're walking by Navy Pier after their shift. And they have this conversation. So
0: right over there. That is where I almost lost you. You know, I stood watching that boat in the water waiting for you to come up for air. And uh, I mean I'll never forget (laughs) that feeling. Just thinking of a life without you. Um, Felt like no life at all. And I never want to feel that way again. Look, we are both taking a big leap of faith here. Now we're jumping into an unknown that carries a lot of baggage from both our pasts. Neither one of us ever thought we'd try again.
1: We can do this. I know it. I know it, too. Moment.
0: And I know it may sound crazy, but this is where I want to do it. <laughs> right here? Well, at the, the Crystal Gardens. Uh. Unless you hate it.
1: Oh. This is where you want to do it to me. It's perfect
0: really
1: i love it i love you
3: we have location we have a location we're a little bit of the way there y'all we finally have a location but also okay i mean i googled crystal gardens and i sent it to you I that did is too. A bougie venue
4: it does it honestly i understand like stella you know i I get why they're doing it there right like they made Stella have a reason for it but they really just wanted to have a wedding I think like they, they thought that was a good spot for it but some like the more I think of it I'm like it doesn't really seem like now that I've googled it it doesn't seem like their vibe
3: not at all not at all I agree with you on that one
4: Because, like plus- I, like I said I understand like they're like I'm sure as a shooting location it makes you know like They got a shooting location. It's beautiful for a wedding. Like, it's going to look great. It's going to add to, like, the height of the finale. I get it. But, like, as me thinking about Stella and Severide, I'm like, they would get married at a cabin. I don't see them getting married in this place.
3: Yeah, it's really fancy. Like, Like,
4: really fancy. I mean,
3: it's beautiful, but it's fancy. But also, this means they have a really big wedding, too.
4: It's like $30,000. Yeah. Right?
3: That's what, Yeah. Where yeah. do they have that kind of money? <laughs> Look at the size of like the ceremony space. Like, are they just inviting all of CFD? It's gonna be. St- I mean, well,
4: I mean, Joe and Chloe got married in a huge church, and it was like barely filled. So, I mean, but it's, still. It's,
3: it's beautiful, but it doesn't. It's seem gonna like make a for a beautiful
4: location and like add to a memorable finale. Like, we're gonna think about the season ten finale and be like, oh yeah, that was the Stellaride wedding. Oh yeah, it was at Crystal Gardens. I mean, you know, like we're gonna think we're gonna think of those images. Like it's it makes sense from a filming perspective and like the shots, like it makes sense. But like I think about these characters, and I'm like, it doesn't seem like them.
3: Okay, but let's also talk about how completely unrealistic that is. This is that she's like, we'll get, we're gonna like, I want to get married at Crystal Gardens, and they're planning to get married in the finale. Oh no, we oh, have yeah. to They're booked our gonna... venue like a year in advance. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you don't get a man. Let's put it this way: there are places I'm sure you could easily plan a wedding for, you know, in a month, two months, whatever. That does not seem like that place. No. Unless they just so happen to have a cancellation, which is such a TV thing. But like, okay,
3: so them spending thirty thousand dollars on their that does not seem very them.
4: Well, I didn't look. I didn't go that far in it. But thirty thousand dollars does that include food and stuff? Like, or is that just the venue cost?
3: i i would hope that includes food but i bet it's like the bare minimum package like right it's an expensive place based on what i googled but yeah no i mean all of us like i don't think anybody when we did like when we did the olympics with the our pod squad sisters like i don't think any of us ever nobody said i never knew this
4: place existed Shame. how would i have known to guess that i never knew
3: this place existed otherwise we totally would have gone when we were there in 2018
4: yeah 28 jesus yeah
3: i know a lifetime Four ago. Years ago now but
4: um yeah like i said but i also again it goes back to my point it just doesn't feel like i understand why they're doing it there i get mm-hmm. it but like when i think of like where stellaride would get married i would have picked like the cabin or molly i mean, like i pretty much would have picked almost anywhere else but a place like this
3: it also is a little weird to me maybe i just missed the maybe i just missed the sentiment but that like It's weird to me that Stella wants to get married in this space where she almost lost him. Is that her kind of, like, reclaiming Namie Namie beer?
4: I guess, yeah. Because, like, she almost lost him, but she didn't. And so she when she thinks about, like, she says she's, like, thinking of a life without you, like, felt like no life at all. And she's like, I never want to feel that way again. So, yeah, I guess it is. Hmm um i also think it's interesting especially having heard andrea kind of reference the fact that they both have baggage in previous marriages you know when we talked to her Mm -hmm. like and then finally someone says it and this when stella's saying it she's like you know in an unknown that carries a lot of baggage from both our past and we thought we'd never try this again like now i'm kind of worried i'm like you know because andrea was saying like oh well do they actually you know do they make it down the altar you know down the you know, down to the altar or whatever. And now I'm like, now that Stella has finally referenced it herself, I'm like, oh fuck. Like, I'm just like, oh man.
3: It would, at, at the point we're at, it would be completely out of character for one of them to get cold feet.
4: I know. I, I keep, chan- I'm like, okay, just get married. Let the shit hit the fan in the reception. Let them get married and then shit can
3: hit the fan, but not with Kelly and Stella. Leave them alone. Let them be newlyweds and be happy. Pick on somebody else.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't want anybody to pick, be picked on, but somebody yeah. has to. I know, I know, I
3: know. Yeah. Hate yeah. It. Okay, so listen to my thoughts. Zola said the fucking incredible character growth of Kelly Severide, OMG. He was willing to take the heat for some kid. Like, who the fuck was that FAA guy? Bro, you don't go here. The audacity to accuse Severide. Anyway, the ending was pretty great. Like Kelly just gives a mini history lesson on the halligan. Like what? Oh that's exactly. Yep um and said Stella talking or
4: telling Kelly how scared she was of almost losing him in the water by Navy Pier and again at the school was so amazing and finally deciding on a venue for their wedding gives us hope that we might actually get their wedding by the end of the season plus several mentions of Brett returning within the months gives us hope too yeah Mm -hmm. I I definitely think it's how I mean Derek is teasing this like epic finale of you know the most memorable one they've ever done like I can't imagine like What would they do that doesn't include a
3: wedding? I don't understand. Okay, but 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 here's a question for you. I mean, they're trying to make it pretty obvious that Gab, like not Gabby, um, Brett and Casey are gonna come back. They're gonna try to damn this to make it for both of them. Does Gabby come? And if Gabby comes, is it awkward AF with Brett and Casey?
4: Um, I don't think Gabby comes only because it seems like Monica seems pretty done right now with. I mean, like, not to say she'll never come back ever, but like, I think right now she seems pretty content with all her directing and High Town, and like, it just doesn't seem like she's gonna come back. But no, I think the writers also seem pretty committed to like Brett and Casey right now, and I just, I think, I don't think it's awkward if she were to come back, but I don't think she comes back. God, it would make
3: things so interesting.
4: I don't think she comes back.
3: Just putting it out there. So Megan R said, The fire that 51 responded to in this episode is one of my favorite calls from the season, along with the potassium tank one from 1010. Mason killed it with his quick thinking. Hell yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. I loved seeing Mason getting to shine a little bit. It was really nice. More Mason, please. Yeah. You can already go ahead and bump uh, Chris up to a series regular too while you're at it. We're cool with that. Thank you.
3: Yeah. He can stay. <laughs> Yep. Emma cannot, he could say. Emma cannot. Just take take Jimmy, take Chris, bump him up to regulars, and then we're good. Thank you. Yeah. Solving, we're solving all of fires problems today. Yeah.
4: So last up, we've got this little Herman storyline, which honestly, at one point, we'll get to it, but like, it kind of seems a little out of left field, hmm. but let's discuss. So basically, they get back from the jet engine call, and like, Mount stops by Herman's quarters, and he's like, oh yeah, Trudy needs that final head count for game night. First of mm-hmm. all, why were we not invited? Mm-hmm. Second of all, I need to know who else was also invited to this game night. Is it just like every couple that's like ever in PD and fire? Like who gets invited to game night
3: that oh. Mouch and Trudy are hosting? Oh my god, I would pay such good money for this. Okay, right? so- okay,
4: because obviously Herman and Cindy, right? So you obviously have Match and Herman or Mouch and Trudy, Herman and Cindy. I'm assuming Bowden and Donna get invited, right? Does Upstead get invited? Right, Does Upset get invited? Um, does Stella and Severide get invited? Do I mean like do like anyone who's an actual couple in
3: the One Chicago universe get invited or not? I could see I could see Stella being like crazy competitive, and I could also see that out of Haley too. So I could totally see Platt being like, "We're not inviting either of them because it gets insane." <laughs> like, right. And I could also just
4: see it you know, be limited to like the Bowden Herman Mouch mm-hmm. couples because they're we all obviously know they're close friends like that mm-hmm. would make sense too but I it got me thinking I was like wait who else gets invited to game night
3: that's hilarious
4: and if it was all the one Chicago couples I would pay good money to be a fly on that wall
3: we gotta okay. jot that down as a question for Derek like and matches game night who comes who doesn't
4: I'm adding it I've like kind of started a little notes in my computer I'm adding it
3: right now perfect like, and it's mostly, is it up? Does upset come? Does does, does, does decelerate come? Like, who else gets invited? Who's cool? Doesn't know. Hakami doesn't get invited because nobody knows about Hakami. <laughs> well, people, but not that far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I mean, Although it would be hysterical. Violet at a game night. Oh, yeah. I mean, considering how competitive she is. Oh, man. Yeah.
3: I could see them playing Pictionary and her getting so mad at Hawkins. Like, she's drawing everything <laughs> out in great detail and he's just throwing things out and she's like, oh, like. I yeah, do that. and then she's like mad at him for the rest of the night yeah. because
4: she didn't get it can somebody go right that thick please yeah i need that like drabble i need that like now yeah. need it yep yeah <laughs> um so basically but herman mentions she's like well you know sydney's mad because i just got a call from her like their middle kid max we do finally get confirmation that the middle kid's name is max but i feel like that was changed there's no way it was max like we way didn't used when. to have a max there's no way it was way back when i almost feel like they threw that little line in because there's been debate about what the middle kid's name is and they just needed to clear the
3: air what didn't we think the middle kid no we luke is the second oldest right
4: yeah it's luke and lee henry annabelle and christopher kenny
3: kenny we thought thought it was christopher Christopher Jr. jr
4: right we thought it was christopher jr and now it's apparently max
1: Boo.
4: Like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Boo! Yeah. Boo! <laughs> anyway. But anyway, so yeah, he's like, Max, apparently his teacher called and he like smarted off about some answers to a quiz and Max is like, oh yeah, the same thing's happening at the academy. He's like, I was asked to guest lecture once, but all I saw was kids on their phones, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and like Herman's just like, you know, if this generation knows it all, then you got to find something new to teach them. So anyway, he gets this idea and he goes down to the academy, but he runs into Todd, who is the brother of that firefighter he met earlier this season. I
3: think it's episode 12 because it's the gala episode. He Mm -hmm. was the one who was reading by the Wall of Badges, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he takes, remember, because Lee Henry and Luke were fighting, and he takes them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But apparently Todd is now a recruit at the Academy. His brother had always said he should do it, but it was actually meeting Herman who really, like, pushed him into it. You know, very (laughs) cool. Um, And Herman's like, yeah, you should come by Molly sometime. And he's like, it's a firefighter bar and you're now a firefighter, which is just like very Mm. cute. I love when Herman takes people under his wing. I just Mm -hmm. I, I love it. So the real reason he goes by the Academy is he goes to see Chief Fletcher and he does ask about Todd while he's there, even though it's not his main reason. And Todd's apparently doing great. He's a top recruit, which is like really cool to hear. Um, but he's like, you know, again, that's not why Herman wanted to see him. And so next shift, Herman goes and tells Mason, you know, that they have it all set up for him to be a guest lecturer at the Academy, like doing, you know, teaching recruits what he did during the jet engine call, which I think is really cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so then this kind of all wraps up because later on, in Ollie's, Todd does stop by and Herman, you know, introduces him to everyone and Mason's like, you know, ask him about some test and if he's heard of it and Todd's like, yeah, Herman said he helped me study. And Mason's like, oh well then you're all set. If Herman says he's got your back, then he means it. And he's like, he's the reason I'm still a firefighter, which I think is very cool. Um and very sweet. The reason I say this kind of seemed out of left field, like I didn't really think we'd ever go back to the Todd stuff. Ever. Me neither. And it seems like there's a point. Like why do they bring up Todd and Todd now becoming a firefighter if there's not a point to
3: it? I don't know.
4: I mean, granted, I'm, there doesn't have to be a point to everything, but this is one Chicago and I feel like I read into, you know, like we have to read into everything and be like, there is a point. So what is the point?
3: <laughs> um, I just put, pl- I, I kept watching that episode and I was like, Tom looks really familiar. Why does he look so familiar? He was on an episode of FBI International. He was? Yeah. I think this International? One- yeah. I think this was the one- in transnistria when like the guy's cousin there was like an agent who came in and it was some issue with his cousin or something but he was the agent he was agent harman so that just answered that
4: so what came first derek seeing him on fbi international and liking him or this and then that's he's a, like, oh i should go plug him in on international
3: that's a great question great question um, God, imagine being in with like the wolf universe and getting to play on like both shows that shows. Fun. international of all the fbi's too i die love it
4: um but going back to this so i did see a. Th- I don't remember whose theory it was i feel like i saw it a couple times too but it's so this is not my theory but it is interesting that somebody said that eventually when gallo makes the jump to squad because it seems like that seems inevitable too that they'll go back to that at some point <laughs> That then they'll use todd to fill in on truck i like it and but that's if, why they've, like, introduced, they've started, like, introducing him again as, like, a firefighter.
3: I like it. But if Gallo goes to squad, then do we have a five-person squad? Or does somebody go?
4: No, they've had a five-person squad before. We I'm just sure. haven't had one in a while. Mm-hmm. Just like
3: we've had a more than a four-person
4: truck, but we just haven't seen one in a while. Yeah. So, like, theoretically, you could also add a fifth person to truck because they'll need to add a girl at some point if Brett does leave, like we just said. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I've just seen that theory pop around that, like, if Gallup does eventually join squad, then it would make sense. And you could have Todd come in to truck. Mm -hmm. So. Which, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. It just, like I said, it kind of seemed out of left field because I thought that brother storyline was, like, over and done. And then he, like, shows up. And I'm like, wait, what? Huh? Okay. I guess this is, I guess this is a thing now. He's a firefighter. Can
3: we please get some Nathan follow up? please. Like (laughs) if we're going to follow up with Todd, can we please follow up with little Nathan from season two? I feel really your
4: comparison should be if we could follow, if we finally followed up with the Darden boys, then can we follow up with Nathan?
3: Oh my God. But actually though, like, I feel like I'm not asking for much. Okay. (laughs) Like, yeah, just recall a random call from, you know, season two. It's fine. Or just even if you just want to mention it in passing, like, hey, he joined the Academy. I really feel like I'm not asking for much. (laughs) Although I will say it's not a stretch because they did at least spend, you know, because Nathan
4: is the one that ultimately helped save 51 and then they go back eventually and they build the little library for Nathan's school as a way to thank him. You know, like they do follow up with him a couple times in that season. So like, it's not like it's just truly some random call. So yeah, if we can catch up with the Dardens, we can also get like one random line about
3: Nathan. And think about all the other characters we've come full circle with. Okay, like we were introduced to Mason, he came back. We were introduced to Todd, he came back. Over on Med, we were introduced to Hannah, and she came back. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Don't judge me, y'all. Okay, that's that's like my favorite fire
4: episode ever. It's literally the one thing she's going to cling to forever until we get and truly, truly get fire next generation and he's there. Like Gina's going to cling to that
3: forever. No, there, there's two fire things I'm going to cling to Nathan and for fuck's sake, bring Peter Mills back.
4: Oh, yeah. Did you see that uh, article
3: from Digital Spy that was going around? Of like, yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Makes me sad yeah i mean it is great that he's out there killing it now but also like sad Well, that's what he was saying
4: in the article because i went back like tv line took the quote from digital spy so i went back and read the actual like digital spy interview mm-hmm. and he was talking about he was like yeah like you know it was of course sad like he hated that he kind of it just happened the way it happened but he's like you know i think it i'm paraphrasing here but it's basically he was like yeah you know it ended up kind of being a blessing in disguise you know that it were you know things happen sometimes the way they happen but he was talking about how fat that he was like still you know close he was like yeah I just saw Yuri and David in LA a couple weeks ago for lunch and he's like whenever I'm in Chicago I see Joe and he was talking about Monica I did not realize he and Monica like grew up together in Florida
3: yeah they both went to Juilliard
4: I think I knew that but I didn't realize that like he was like oh yeah Monica is basically the reason I went to Juilliard and I was like wait what yeah I did not know that yep because I, I wasn't around back like so i definitely missed like a bunch of inter- i'm sure where they talked about that because i was mm-hmm. not around back then so the old days yeah i do need peter mills to make an appearance though at some point he's not well, on like- anything right now now that ordinary joe's been canceled well so. russian doll season two yeah but that just came out so mm-hmm. he's as far as we know he's not filming anything right now yeah so, the more time season that goes 11.
3: by, yeah, the more time that goes by, the more, like, characters are going to come and go to the point that he's not going to know anybody at 51. Like, if he were to come back now, he'd see Cruz, he'd see Mouch, um, Severide, but, like, he'd be like, where's Casey? Mm-hmm. Where's Gabby and what happened? Are they still married? And I'm like, oh boy, do we have a story? To tell you? Oh,
4: let me sit you down, Peter yeah. Mills, and tell you a little bit about what happened in the last.
3: I'm gonna tell you a story called seasons five through 10. Seasons four through 10. Oh, yeah. Yep. Although
4: Oof. we forget about four, so really five through 10.
3: <laughs> so, you know, we don't talk about Bruno, we don't talk about season four oh my god that's our version of that song we don't talk about season four
4: that would be a hysterical merch we don't talk about season four
3: (laughs) it would be funny It would be funny
4: all right any other notes on fire no just really 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 solid I just I'm really enjoying fire it's like it was there for a while it was not my favorite this season and I which was a shame because I love season eight and nine but like it's found its way back to being my favorite
3: yeah For for sure all right, stretch it out.
4: Yeah. Although the stretch it out hits differently when you record like early enough and it's not like 10 30 PM and you're like, stretch it out. It mm-hmm. hits a lot differently.
3: Yeah, no, know it is a lot differently, uh, but this was a really like easygoing PD episode. You know how PD requires a lot of brain power usually. And like, it's, a, it's, it's like work to watch through PD. This was a pretty easygoing episode. I will
4: have to say, though, I had no brain power to give PD on Wednesday night when it happened because I was in such a calm. I was such a comedy trash. I was like, I can't think about anything else. I definitely did not watch PD basically Wednesday night. It did not happen.
3: No. <laughs> so once I finally child- watched it, yeah. once I
4: finally watched it, I was like. This was really good, but like I had no energy to give it on Wednesday night. It just did not happen.
3: Our group chat was so funny because you guys were all just like, "How am I supposed to focus on PD right now?" And like I had to put it out of my head. I'd be like, "I will focus on Hakami later. I'm gonna focus on PD now." It's like so- I will focus on Akami at
4: 10:01. I cannot focus until on them until then.
3: Yeah, yeah. The only time that that's ever really like killed me, like the show before killing like the next show, is the 200th when I was like, "You really expect me oh, to focus was, on yeah. PD right now? Really?" Like, dropped a ton yeah. of bricks on our heads and now you really want me to focus on PD. Okay.
4: I mean, it definitely happened for me more than that, but, like, still.
3: Mm-hmm. That's, like, when, when, like, post-mortem articles drop for, like, Met or Fire and we're into the next show. I'm, like, you gotta wait because, like, I'm not going to click that right now. Like, you gotta know that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to click that because I'm watching the next show. But... Yeah. So this is a really good Kevin episode, like really good one. I feel like some of the Kevin episodes in the past have just been kind of like, eh, um, this was a really, I thought really it was fun. also
4: without being like a direct follow-up. I thought it was a really good follow-up to the last Kevin episode we got. Like it mm-hmm. was obviously indirectly, you know, with all the Celeste stuff and the fact that like this still mirrored his situation going on and we didn't just drop the Celeste. Like I just, I thought it worked really, really well. Yeah. Do you know For who sure. wrote this one? I forgot to look.
3: Uh, I think the guy's name was Ike something, or I might be thinking of fire. I'll look it up. You start and I'll look it up. Okay. So Kevin's at a bar and he's talking to some drunk chick. (laughs) And so she's just like, oh my God, I love that. Like, what do you and your friend Ruse do? And Kevin's like, yeah, we're cops. And she's like, that's amazing. So she leaves to go to the bathroom and the bartender makes some comment about how like he probably thought saying he was a cop would run her off. It didn't so. This bartender's super cute, by the way. Like they're kind of flirting. So, Kev offers to walk her home after shift, and she asks him inside for a nightcap, but he declines. Uh, and she just says, I know when a dude is still hung up on someone else. And so, she goes inside, Kevin starts walking, and Kevin calls Celeste and leaves her a voicemail First of all, what time is it, sir? What time is it? Did you, like, did you close down the bar? Is it 2 a.m.? Because then you probably don't want to be calling Celeste at 2 a.m. Yeah.
4: And it's just like, I love the fact that he's just like, oh, you know, just giving you my weekly call. And it's like, so you've been doing weekly? this for how many weeks now?
3: Weekly? Kevin, yeah. that's not like you.
4: Yeah. Also, a side note. So the guy's name is Ike Smith, mm-hmm. and he has written or at least co-written every Atwater this episode, every every Atwater episode this season. I like it. So I definitely, you can tell like the continuation, like it, you know, yeah he wrote Burnside, he wrote the episode 11, and then he wrote this one.
3: Okay, so now we're, we're slowly but surely learning who in the writer's room writes which character's best. So Gwen can write Upstead. Yeah. Um, Scott Gold writes Ruzik. Fantastic.
4: Ike can write Kevin.
3: Yep. Yep. Perfect. Love it. Yep. So- weekly call kevin like weekly take a hint bud like Mm -hmm. please. so and then all of a sudden he sees some other police roll up on a house and so he goes to help out and so they enter this house this house is gorgeous by the way gorgeous i immediately was like can i just like find out what address that was just so i can look it up and see how much it's worth because like that's a gorgeous house part of me would like one day it would be really
4: funny to like go to chicago one trip and just meet with a real estate agent and just see if the houses are really like you know, the average house that you go on the like real estate tour for in Chicago are really like these, the ones that they find for PD because they're really spectacular. And I there's such places- a different vibe yeah. than the ones on like fire. Cause like fire will go to a house and it's like in such a different neighborhood and they do not look like this at all. Yeah. And then PD goes and they're like the fanciest of the fancy. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah.
3: Yep. So funny. Ugh. And I get that they need to be big. So there's like space for the cameras, but like, it's so not realistic. Like, no, just no. no. So uh, they enter the house, they see signs of a struggle. Kevin comes across a body and then he like just kind of senses that like he, he's like, they're trying to find like if there's anybody else in the house and he just looks up at the crawl space and realizes like there's somebody up here. So he like, he crawls up there and he finds this woman and she's covered in blood and she's terrified. Kevin is so good with her. So oh, good.
4: yeah. Amazing.
3: And he, would, also, he
4: handles this better than anyone else would have an in intelligence.
3: I could see that. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Um, we also learned in this episode that Kevin also has a calm voice. I like it. Yes. I like and it. And it was, it's, yeah. Yeah.
4: It's real good.
3: Yep. When he was talking to her and he was just like, be in the moment with me. I'm like, in my blanket. I'm like, I'm in the moment, Kevin. I'm in the moment. I know. I was just like, oh, I'll never let go. I'll never let go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So intelligence takes the case and Kevin goes to med and the, the woman's name is Raquel. And so he goes to talk to her about what happened. And she claims that she was in the bathroom. She heard a big crash, ran out, saw two men beating her husband and he told her to get out. So she ran and hid, but now she feels really guilty and she's taking it super hard and she can't think of anybody who would want to hurt him. But she says, but we're wealthy. People do so much for that. All right. That's a statement. Mm -hmm. So in the bullpen, Jay comes up and says the robbery homicide team has been investigating in the Gold Coast. And he's like, yeah, there's a two man robbery crew who just robbed a family named the Baylors the other night. Like, all right. I see you. I see you with the Texas connection in the one Chicago writer's room. I realize that we always try and drop a Baylor reference. I see you. So, but is there, but now that Derek
4: isn't over PD, like would they do that on PD? I mean, like it's not fire.
3: Like, is there the Baylor connection in the PD room? Like there is in the fire room. There might be because, um, there might be only because there's so many Baylor connections in the fire writer's room. Like it's not just Derek. It's like,
4: Right. I know it's Elizabeth and then obviously Matt when Matt was there. Um, Tara. Is that it? Oh, oh,
3: yeah. Randy. And Randy. Yeah. So I could see it bleeding over into the other shows. Maybe. But yeah. Yeah. So this family and Raquel and her husband, they're both members at this club called the Donovan. And the bartender has priors. So Jay and Kevin go to have a chat with them got some howl water working together this episode. This was nice. This was something that was amazing was that we got every iteration of an out water pairing. We got, we yeah, got. It. it was really nice. We got up water. We got, you know, hell water. We got ruse water. It was fantastic. We got purge water. water. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, the guy was working during both robberies, but he does mention he's like, unlike most members of the club, like Raquel actually has a soul. Uh, and so he says, yeah, it's like somebody probably took advantage. So Jay and Kevin are leaving the club and another robbery goes down around the corner. So this time the offenders were still in the house. One gets shot, but the other gets away. Now, the one who was shot and killed was pretty much just like muscle for hire. He was like contract killer pretty much. Um, And in his hand, he had the access code to disable the alarm. So back in the bullpen, they think they hit a dead end. Jay stumbles on the fact that both of the other families had had housework done in the past year and the interior design company just so happened to be owned by Raquel. Not, not ideal, not ideal. Yeah. So Kevin keeps running through the club security camp footage and finds footage of Raquel meeting with a guy and he basically sticks out because of his shoes, um, the shoes matched the offender who fled and that's who Raquel was meeting with. So, Bergwater, they go track down Raquel at the airport and they convince her to come in to identify potential suspects. And when she's in, Kevin's like, "Yeah, we lied. We just found you under a fake name." Can, can, can you do that? That's did mean. you
4: Did you see in the group chat in our Patreon group which I won't say who it was, but One of our patrons was actually an extra in this scene, and she was talking about the fact that it was filmed at a hotel and not an airport, and they must have obviously just, like, CGI'd the planes out of the windows, which I think is just, like, such a cool little
3: tidbit. That's hilarious. Um, No, I didn't see that.
4: Yeah, she um, she was talking about it in the... And I remember she told me she was going to Chicago for the day to be there. But I just I think it's really cool that like, no, this was not an airport. This was a hotel. And they just like CGI the airplane.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, if that's an airport lounge, it's really fucking nice. Yeah, no, it's a hotel. And they just CGI the airplanes outside. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, they lied to her. They, They knew she had a past name, Denise Murphy. And Kevin is like, so you're a con woman. And she's like, no, I have like nothing to say here. So they uncover all of these like past lives that she's had and they find the person who made the fake IDs. And so the guy just, he's like, he's not full of a lot of information. He's just like, listen, all she told me was that like, he, air quotes, would find her in Chicago and that, you know, it was too close. So Kevin goes back to talk to her and just decides, you know, she just admits to giving the codes, knowing that the end result is her going to prison. But then we get this. I gave him the security codes. I know how this looks.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't matter how it looks. All I care about is the truth. I
1: can't. You okay. can't. I get it.
0: I will get lying. I've thought about myself before, too. About who I am. But... Just because you lie about the details of yourself doesn't mean that you're lying about who you are. I saw you in that crawl space. I saw a person trying to survive. I saw a good person.
4: So what's the truth? Again, I love the little bit of, like, personal that comes out of Kevin. You know, like, you see a little bit, obviously, of Kevin talking about his like situation with Celeste and, you know, how meta! i just i love when it's like a case is meta like you know obviously reflects what's going on in their lives and this definitely was that for kevin
3: for sure for sure and my, my favorite part of this episode is that kevin did not give up on raquel cause... no his gut he he believed in his gut and yeah. i mean his gut
4: said that raquel was innocent and he stuck with it for sure
3: even when his team was like maybe it is what it looks like he was like no like no yeah. way
4: And he even says here, he's like, you know, I saw a person in that crawl space. He's like, I saw a person trying to survive. I saw a good person. Mm -hmm. And
3: that is what he sticks with through the whole way through. This is why we love Kevin. Yes. Yeah. Um, Go ahead and take it from here.
4: Okay. So basically um Raquel ends up coming clean and gives them the name like Sam and she's like an older guy he met you know she met as a teenager and is basically just like he's found her every time he's come looking for her and all of her different past lives although now he like wants a piece of her life so he's the one that made her give him the security codes but now she's like I don't know how to find him you know I, he just always comes and finds me like I don't know how to track him down however Ruzik finds out that Sam had like the fake ID passport guys like email clone which is basically how he was able to constantly find Raquel so every time Raquel would email the passport fake ID guy Sam was also getting those emails and that's how they ultimately end up luring him out of hiding and ultimately arrest him but like when he's brought in for questioning he denies everything and he's like she's the master behind everything she's got PO boxes you know from every stop every walk of life that she's lived like she is the one who's behind all this and like we said earlier kevin is thinks that he's lying but everything that sam says checks out like the p.o boxes you know et cetera. like it all checks out so this is where like you said intelligence starts to question like uh, okay is she is she really con woman or is she who kevin's believes she is
3: how did you feel at that point of the episode like did you believe her or were you not sure
4: Honestly, the fir- I, it's hard because the first time I watched, I wasn't really paying attention because again, I was in a world. And so then <laughs> by that point, I knew what happened at the end. So like, it's kind of hard for me to say like really in what real time I believed. But I definitely think you can see, you could play at both sides. They did a really good job of setting it up to not really knowing what was right and what was wrong.
3: Yeah, they did do like, it. It was really compelling because like, like a lot of one Chicago Twitter was like no she's lying she's totally playing him whatever and I was like no you know what if Kevin believes in her I believe in her so like you know when Kevin was like trying to fight the good fight and the team was like no like she probably is a con woman he was like no I was like yeah I'm with you keep going because she's innocent
4: yeah so Kevin goes back to Raquel and asks for proof that he's like just give me something that shows that you're not lying to me and she's like i swear she's like i don't have anything and then she finally all of a sudden remembers she's like i have all the old burner phones that sh- i've had over the years she's like i didn't want to forget the good people i met in those lives so like i she kept all these phones so she was like they're in a lockbox in this place whatever they go back to her place and they don't find the phones and they have run at this point through like every single possibility and the re- like I said the rest of intelligence is set they're like she's a con woman and Kevin holds firm still that she is not so he doubles back to Sam's original partner's place the one that died earlier um, to like recheck everything and he ends up finding the bag of phones in like the molding of the ceiling he of all places he just happens to see that like something's off about it and he goes he pulls it off he finds the bag of phones it's just Kevin things hell yeah kevin hell yes so basically he goes back to sam and um basically says that sam's a liar but sam is still holding firm. he's like i don't know what you're talking about so it's pretty clear i mean like they i guess have enough based off that to convict because they have obviously all of her text messages from all of her previous lives which is enough and of course they're all threatening text messages from sam to raquel denise who you know whichever name you want to call her um so it's enough to put sam away for a while but then so then we get the scene and kevin walks raquel out of the district
0: ASA says it's solid, and he should be away for a long time you know where you want him to take you? what you gonna do uh, i'm gonna bury brent and then I'm going to go somewhere new. Start over. Sam's gone. But I lied to everyone. All my friends, Brad's family. Just tell them why you lied. It's not going to change anything. Hmm. It's a lie people see. It's unforgivable. You believe that? You don't? Who did you lie to? Because you said earlier that you lied. Did they forgive you? I'm an undercover cop. I lie all the time. Okay. Thank you, Kevin.
4: Love it. I really love this. I thought it was really, I mean, sometimes it's a little, I I do, oftentimes I will say I do tend to hate when like random strangers are able, like somebody else has told this, like, you know, character A is going through something and then character B, who you know and love tells character A something and they don't listen to them. And then it's like when random stranger comes in and tells them something, then they finally decide to listen. I do normally hate when that happens, but I thought it really worked and this because mm-hmm. of the way he and Raquel had connected throughout this whole episode mm-hmm. um and I just I really I really you know thought it was interesting that she was like you know it's not going to change anything you know she's the one that's telling him like people only see the lie and he's she's like you know he's trying to like hide behind the fact that like he's like oh I'm an undercover cop I lie all the time and <laughs> she's like doesn't see you know she sees right through him too which mm-hmm. I, I I just I really I really I, I really like the scene a lot
3: yeah yeah, I'm glad I finally got through to him.
4: Yeah, but so then it ends with, the episode ends, he, like, decides to call Celeste, like, one last time, and he's like, you know, it's me again, you know, you just don't, you don't have to call back this time. Like, he's like, I'm just saying I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for everything. He's like, I'm not gonna call again. And that's that.
3: Rip that Band-Aid off, Kev. Yeah. Um,
4: which, I mean, I'm sure... I know they have said back when Celeste was on the last so back at episode 11 Mm -hmm. um, that they obviously of course would love to have her back but it's really hard to nail down that actress and Mm -hmm. so I hope that I'm sure I hope in season 10 we'll get to see Celeste again Um, but yeah we will see um, but we did get, of course, get listener thoughts. Um, Megan R said, if Kevin's phone calls, just less an indication that we are going to see her again, then by all means keep calling her Kev. I don't know. I, don't know. I, don't... I feel like, I think his decision, like, I think his decision now that he finally saw that like, sometimes, you know, he like Kevin wasn't necessarily right to do what he did. And like, he finally realized that like, maybe I shouldn't have lied and that people sometimes can only see the lie. Mm-hmm. I think breaking it off was good if she wants to choose to come back and forgive him and you know they can work it out that way then by all means yeah of course I would love to see that but it has to be on Celeste at this
3: point yeah
4: yeah I can see that it has to be on Celeste it it, you know Kevin and I think Kevin knows that now that like if she wants to come back into my life I think he would be willing to accept her but like it's not up to him anymore it's up to her
3: right right so yeah um damar said can kevin become a detective already because he was magnificent in this episode yes um, sign that yeah right um although i don't really care about the case it kept me glued to the screen i didn't know whether Rick Hell was a survivor victim or the mastermind behind these robberies you couldn't tell if she was lying or telling the truth but i'm glad that kevin went with his gut even when the team doubted and he was proven to be right it's scary that the only thing separating Raquel, a domestic violence survivor, and a miscarriage of justice was Atwater's determination and gut. Yep. Um, I wanted to give Kevin a huge hug when he said he called Celeste weekly, but I'm glad at the end he was able to let her go and move on with his life because he deserves a happy relationship. Yes. <laughs> um, also, we were so blessed with the partnerships this episode. We got Halwater, Burgewater, Rusewater, Upwater, and even upjus all in one episode. <laughs> I only hope that they continue this trend going forward. Yes, please. Can we just, yeah. like we should make that a rule of like every character specific episode. It's like- like, if it's a J episode, okay, well, then we need, we need Upstead. We need, you know, Burge dead. Uh, Ruse yeah. dead. Yeah, we need all of it.
4: Yeah. Um, I will say something I forgot to ask you about, though. Did you see, because Royce was very into, like, being on social media and, like, wanting to discuss this episode. I know he, like, tried to live tweet it the next night, and then he did that live where he like had fans on and then he actually had the girl who played Raquel on. Have you gotten to watch it yet? No, I haven't. I haven't either. I haven't either. I meant to go back and try to watch it before this, but um, I know like said that live he did, he had like some fans on and then it ended with like the last, I want to say like 30 minutes of it was like the girl who played Raquel, whose name I don't know, (laughs) but um, I'm I'm just, it's very, I love when actors get in, you know, do that kind of stuff. I do think sometimes it's a little, I don't know. I don't really like fan Q&A type things that much. So when you get fans on like a live thing and you don't know what's going to happen, I'm like, oh, I like watch with my hands over my eyes. Like, I yeah. don't know how this is going to go, but I think it's very cool of him to do. And I, I, I other actors would do things like that.
3: I was surprised how active he was on Twitter that night. He's never that active.
4: Yeah, well, and then he wasn't as much that night, but then the next night he was like, "Okay, I didn't get to really watch tonight or last night." So he was like, "I'm gonna just randomly live tweet it on Thursday," and it's like, "Okay, yeah." Cool. I mean, I'm not complaining, but like, yeah,
3: yep, yeah. So, right. any other notes on PD?
4: No, just solid episode. We didn't get we did get promo for Med, but we did not get promo for Fire and PD again because they are much further well pd is not that far behind med but fire is very much behind comparatively so that was interesting right like literally i don't know what's gonna happen we have no (laughs) episode descriptions we don't know anything so yeah pretty much
3: so solid week well, um, we've still got one last thing for you guys, as you know, um, Brian spoke with Steven Weber last week and he was wonderful from what I listened to. Again, I was not there because I could not speak, um, but yeah, it, it was, it, it, I thought it was wonderful to, you enjoyed it, right?
4: I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I, he's so nice, really funny. Um, I, I didn't expect him to be funny. I don't know why, probably cause I just have Archer in my head, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Really, really, really. I mean, everyone that we've, I texted you after that too. Like there is not a bad soul in amongst the actors of any of the shows. They're just not. They're not. One. Casting nails it and nails like just the best people.
3: We have never in almost five years of doing this podcast. We have never once had a bad experience with anybody in the cast. They're no, all and that's Not
4: us just saying that because we want to keep having people on the show. Like it is like, I True. truly mean like even the people you think will suck because their characters may suck, like,
3: are just the nicest people. Yeah. And that was the first question out of my mouth after, like, once you were done, you were like, oh my God, he was so nice. I was like, he's nothing like Archer. Like, can you confirm? Because no. <laughs> he no. does such a good job playing him that, you know, you forget that there's an actual person behind it.
4: Yeah. No, he's, he's really great. Really, yeah, really so, great. Like I said, it's made me like look at Archer in a different light. So Same, same.
3: So um, yeah, definitely enjoy. Here you go.
4: All right. So I want to start with kind of what's been going on with Archer recently and his relationship with his son. That's been teased a little bit here and there. Um, I know we got like hints here and there, including last week when we saw him take the picture out of the wallet. I'm curious, like, what can you tease heading into these last few episodes of the season regarding that? Like, are we going to learn the real reason they haven't spoken in 15 years?
2: I suspect that we will learn why I suspect that the answer to that will also be a key to why, for instance, He's not that welcoming for um, uh, Dr. Asher, uh, you know, played by Jesse Schramm, who has a particularly difficult past. And it's something that might resonate with Archer and his son. Um, As the show goes, they don't really tell me that much in advance, you know. I I found out I had um, a son when I read the script. Oh, I have a son. Uh, I'll start making adjustments to support that. So uh, I, I think I think they will um, start telling more of his background and we will learn a lot and we'll see anyway.
4: Yeah, that kind of leads me in the next message in what you were talking about. Like ever since Dr. Asher's arrived at med, it seems like she and Archer have kind of been at each other's throats. And so I was curious, like in your opinion, why does he hate her so much? But it sounds like it has something to do with his son maybe a little bit.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he hates people as much as he hates himself. I mean, this is a guy that has uh, some particular characteristics having to do with self-loathing. I think he, you know, he his history includes post-traumatic stress disorder. He saw action in the in in the Navy in the war, and you know that that messes you up, and uh, and it comes out as being prickly and, and and often hateful and often kind of weird. I mean, his early behavior was pretty aberrant. Um, but they, but the show strayed away or stayed away from that. I would say it's that's a little melodramatic, and it's more realistic. He's, yeah, you know, he's perceived as being a jerk, but I think we're going to find out why he's not. Nobody's just a jerk. There's usually some backstory. You know, Scrooge started out as kind of a nice guy who was abandoned at school when he was young, and uh, you know, yeah, why he became the awful guy he was.
4: <laughs> and, um, uh- Yeah. And you kind of hinted at just now. I know there's been hints to Archer's PTSD, although we don't know exactly what happened to him while he was overseas. Have the writers told you what happened to Archer in regards to that? Or like as an actor, have you just kind of made something up in your head?
2: i the latter. I've had to make things up uh, more or less. I mean, I know that when we first discussed the character, when I was first uh, offered the role, uh, there was clearly a, a connection to my life, which was personal. My father had been a Korean War veteran. He suffered from PTSD. And and so there were several characteristics of Archer that were reminiscent of my dad. One is which he was quick to anger, one is which he could be prickly. Uh, not all the time, but enough times to, for it to be noticeable. And, um, but they never went into any uh, detail as to what actions uh, led up to that kind of behavior. But I can do the math. I mean, it's, uh, uh, he probably saw some things that eventually wore wore away at him, wore uh, wore him down, um, and that goes a long way to explain why there are many doctors in the field, in, in the professional uh, medical field, who are probably closer to de Archer in terms of personality than the square-jawed, beautiful heroines and heroes of Chicago Med. I'm not saying that they aren't heroes, yeah. or they don't have altruist um, uh, tendencies, but the day-to-day reality is something that uh, doesn't make you walk around and swagger. It makes you drink. It makes you scream. It makes you want to punch a wall Mm -hmm. and and the, the, you know, the medical people that I've the professionals that who've watched the show and have commented, tell me that my character is in, in many ways, not all the ways, but in many ways is closer to the reality of what it's like to work in a kind of a, a big city medical, um, a big city hospital
4: yeah um you just mentioned that when they offered you the role of archer that you kind of saw something that or familial at least like that was that you were able to relate to and that's why you know this character was intriguing to you but i'm curious like you steven as a person like in what ways do you think you're similar to archer
2: well i mean we're both amazingly nimble when it comes to removing uh interior you know inner organs <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, look, I, I don't know how much I have in, in in common with this particular guy. I don't think I'm nearly as prickly. I I, um, I don't have his issues, but look, I mean, uh, the, the actor's description is to, you know, assume certain behaviors that are alien to you. I mean, I, I, I mean, clearly he looks like me. I look like him, you know, and then we're at the same age and we have this, scruffy kind of facial hair and, and, and I have to make up reasons to justify all that. So in a way, I'm almost reverse engineering my this character uh, and how it relates to me. Um, Because I I never had any medical training. I don't have the, the uh, intellectual capacity to do that. I mean, it's hard enough for me to pronounce certain medical terms as an actor. I I, I can't imagine by the if I was a real doctor, by the time I get them out, they'd be dead.
4: Yeah. Did you get any kind of medical training when you joined the show or not really? I'd, I'd
2: like to say, yeah, but no, we have a uh, really attentive and incredibly, um, I want to say specific, uh, medical technicians on the set to make sure that everything we do is exactly right. Um, there are very few moments when we do things for dramatic purposes, but really 99.9% of the time it's, it's right on the money. I know uh, several of the actors, ha- when they started this gig years ago, um, did ride-alongs in ambulances and observed autopsies and everything. I've been around a long time. I don't need to do that. I can, I can pretend uh, that I'm an intense, gifted, you know, cranky doctor really without having to research it.
4: Um- something else that's had certainly its ups and downs is the dynamic between Archer and Ethan, um, especially since you joined the show last year, but like we saw in this week's episode, it seems to be in a pretty good place right now. Like what can you tease about that dynamic in these last few episodes of the season? And like, what's it like working with Brian?
2: Um, well, I'll answer the second part first. Brian P is a great guy. He is a giving, um, funny, present, a guy that is not given to crazy, dramatic diva uh, fits. (laughs) He's a pragmatic, wonderful, funny, wonderful actor. Um, So that's what that's like. Um, As for the relationship between Archer and Ethan, um, you know, they they have a fairly recent traumatic background. I mean, uh, Archer's behavior led to Ethan getting shot, nearly killed, possibly mm-hmm. paralyzed. Um, without giving too much away, Ethan is undergoing a kind of a change. You know, life changes you. And, um, and in many ways, he's going to start facing certain elements of his own life that maybe he was avoiding through his amazing work as a, as a doctor, through his um, time served in the military. Um, and, and that's what the show is starting to talk about, again, without giving too much away. He, he's starting to think deeply about what his life has been, what the meaning uh, that he's been pursuing. So it's really interesting.
4: Yeah, um, You kind of alluded to it earlier, but I know Dr. Archer is not tends to be not the most popular character in the One Chicago fandom. And I'm curious, like, do you pay any attention at all to like, what people say about him online or not at all?
2: I mean, uh, once in a while I'll come across, uh, some comments where somebody will say like, oh, I I love this guy. And somebody will say like, oh God, if he hooks up with Dr.
0: Hannah, I gotta throw up.
2: You know, (laughs) I'm like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a brutal world, um, for any performer, you know, um, the easiest thing to do is to criticize something and I could be even further uh aggressive and say that you know the critics basically um tear down things that they themselves couldn't do okay so that's you sort of know where i'm coming from but i i make it a point to really not read any press or uh, i i at this point it, it's useless for me it, it would get in the way of um of anything i'm trying to do and and yeah. uh, I mean, imagine if you were under that kind of scrutiny or a plumber was, or real doctors were reviewed, or accountants were reviewed, or waiters were reviewed. And P.S., you know, through the, you know, places like Yelp and everything, you can get reviewed. And sometimes yeah. it's brutal, but, you know, we're, we're, actors are easy pickings, man. You know, we, we live such kind of sweet lives sitting on the set, eating all day and having people pamper us and do our makeup that, you know why not destroy us but really it's it's a waste of it's a waste of time and it's destructive so i you know i think i i think um i might be the kind of character that people love to hate and i think the reality is having my character around in this world in this particular show is really good because everybody is so goddamn good looking and heroic and kind of cool and it's good to have some old bastard kind of be Wrinkly and upset all the time, you know, like real life.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of going off that yeah. though. I'm kind of going off that though. I am curious though, like, in your opinion, are we supposed to be rooting for Archer or against him?
2: look uh, the, the, the thing that's uh, very that's brilliant about the way they write this guy is that he comes off as immediately as, as not having the best bedside manner. and yet here's a guy who has on several occasions. Proven that he has as much, if not more, of a heart than some of our other beloved characters. I mean, uh, my character has been able to connect with patients. One time, I mean, there's. I remember there's a scene between Archer and a, and a, a young girl who's, I think she has a, a brain tumor or something, and it's, and he connects with her in a, in a totally beautiful way. You know, I'm not saying the way I did was beautiful, but the way it was written and it was, it was, uh, it was very well done and well shot and. And there are moments like that. So here's the thing: even though it's television and even though it's entertainment, and people probably a lot of people probably leave Chicago Med on in the background while they're doing their stuff because it is comfort food in a way. Um, the The reality is that people are flawed, and people are capable of, of small h heroism. You know, it, and 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 maybe maybe we can root for him. You know, maybe there is something to be um to be liked and to be encouraged. But look, I mean, on the face of it, he's just like I said, he's just a rankled dickhead. So yeah. But it serves a purpose.
4: Yeah. Um, I know Archer has made comments a couple of times about some sort of feelings that he all of a sudden had for Dr. Blake and even at one point asked her to dinner, although she turned him down. I'm curious. Are his feelings for her genuine, or was that more of a power move, you think?
2: Oh God, I don't think it's a power move. I mean, he, I, I think he's full of bluster. You know, he comes across, he can be a kind of a tough guy and he can yell at people. I, I've actually enjoyed yelling at some of the nurses and doctors, come on, let's go. You know, And that's not necessarily scripted. It doesn't say, right. he yells at so come on, let's go. You know, and people love that. I like to do it, but the, but the reality is he's probably incredibly lonely. You know, he probably has a bleak, life he he's not with anybody as you said earlier he hasn't spoken to his son who knows what that's about who knows if he has an ex-wife or if he's a widower or who the hell knows we don't know yeah. but what i do know about these kinds of men uh, speaking as a man is that it can be uh dark and it can be lonesome and um i think when he saw uh sarah rafferty i would say when he saw Sarah rafferty, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, he saw somebody who was, uh, you know, uh, uh, an appropriate age and an ability that he could understand or relate to. Somebody who, like he, has probably been hurt and, uh, you know, is a little flinty. I think maybe he understands that. So I I don't think it was a power play, I think. And in fact, when he was rejected, um, I think we saw a moment of him being almost like a kid teenager like oh okay you know he was genuine he he is a guy that doesn't really wear that type of stuff on his sleeve you know certainly not not like crockett he's like you know hey man you know hey, i can date anyone
1: you know that type of thing
2: <laughs>
4: would you hope to see at some point archer have a love interest and like that's per start side of his personal life explored at some point sure
2: uh yeah i i think it's valid um uh you know whether the audience wants to see that is another thing. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's capable of affection and love and romance. And again, this is a particular kind of a character. You know, this is a, a you, you can take it to a certain level where he's, a, he's anti-heroic. He's a gifted doctor, but again, he's a jerk. He, he's not necessarily nice. So what would that look like? You know, who would he find, you know? And uh, who would find that tolerable, let alone attractive? You know, and uh, it would be interesting to explore but Chicago Med has got a lot of characters. It's a big world, and every week they try to address as much as possible. I think if they took a little time out to see, you know, Dr. Archer getting jiggy with anybody, then, you know, I don't know, they may end up on the uh, on the cutting room floor.
4: Um, I'm curious, there hasn't been like a real crossover since you joined the show, but I'm curious, like when it can finally happen, like who on Fire and PD would you like to see Archer interact with?
2: Oh God, I don't know. I mean, any one of the actors on, on those shows would be great. I mean, I I really, since I'm so prickly, my character's so prickly, it'd be great to go up against one, of you know, like Jason Begay and see what he's about and kind of... Yeah. You get out and then maybe look at each other and say, "Hey, I like the cut of your jib," <laughs> you know. "Hey, you're a dickhead, so are you?" Hey, let's have a drink, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Um, and or, or Eamon's character on uh, on Fire, you know, is a great guy. But I don't care. Look, it, it's such a it's such a privilege to be on this show that if they want to cross me over with you know the Flintstones, I'll be like, "Yeah, let's do it." Here you go.
4: Um, and then my last question for you is just, I know you've had quite the career and played many types of roles and many different mediums. Like, is there a role or at least a type of character that you've never played but would love to cross off your bucket list?
2: Boy, I I have been fortunate enough to play a lot of roles and a wide variety of them. I'd be hard pressed to think of one that I haven't played that I'd love to try to play. I mean, I'm still trying to get the hang of playing <laughs> mostly regular people. Um, uh, you know, you know, I'd like to be in kind of like the Marvel universe or even the DC universe, but that, you know, as somebody's accountant, I don't know. <laughs> but but um, No, I, 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 I'm actually really enjoying playing Dr. Archer for all the reasons that I spoke of earlier. There's a, I have kind of a personal connection to him and the more opportunities they give me to. Um, I, want, I bet you're wondering what the hell that <laughs> sounds like. This is a, uh, I'll show this to you. This is called the Avesta board and a board is a. It's like a do oh. you see what it is? Oh it, it like changes the,
4: what's written there.
2: That's right. It's almost like uh the type of board you see in a um at a railway station or uh, an airport that gives you the departing and arrival time. Yeah. There's a thing called vest it gives you um it gives you quotes and anyway, so but it's a pain in the ass, especially if you if you're not used to it like I am. Jump, <laughs> what the hell is that? You know, like a bunch of woodpeckers. Um So like I say, I mean, so playing archers has provided uh, a lot of challenges and a good opportunity to kind of delve deeper into this, into this type of personality, which I have a connection to.
4: That's awesome. Well, Stephen, those are all the questions I had for you. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. And I hope Gina feels well.
4: Yes, I will pass it on to her. Thank you.
3: Once again, special thank you to Stephen, special thank you to NBC for helping us pull that together. That was awesome really nice, super nice guy. So yeah, that's about all we've got for you this week. Um, once again, thank you for being patient with us. Um, unexpected sickness just, you know, wasn't fine. Uh, yeah, so we're taking this week off obviously, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's not it. I mean, we, we've got a hiatus right now, so we don't know what we'll do next week. If we'll, we don't know, but yeah. So, uh, you know, the drill, we're everywhere on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I am at K 13 That's about all we've got. So uh, yeah, you guys have a great week and we will probably see you next week.
4: <laughs> Definitely <laughs> see you next week.
3: Yeah. Bye guys.